Rowena Dooley asking Sol citizens to report for duty. Greetings, greetings, welcome back to Soul Citizens. I'm Griffin Gaming RPG, and we are back. Today is uh, October the 29th, last weekend of the month in October, uh, wrapping up the week following uh, CitizenCon and a lot of other good stuff that you guys know have been going on in the Star Citizen community. Uh, and I am here today with a uh, illustrious group, a panel of, uh, I think everybody who's here went to CitizenCon, in fact. Uh, we are still waiting on Calrati. He may pop in. So if he does, you know, we'll drop him in like we always do. Uh, please accept our apologies. Um, Star Jump Grim couldn't be here tonight. He uh, felt ill, wasn't feeling very well. And uh, he's going to come next week when we do our ship uh, show from Citizen Con. So, um, you know, thoughts to him. Hopefully he can get some rest and feel good. Uh, and, has, and that he has a good week this week. But we are looking forward to uh, joining up with him again next week. Uh, in fact, he's going to get a little surprise from us, uh, which we won't talk about right now, but he's got a little surprise coming in the mail tomorrow. <laughs> and so uh, I'm sure he'll have some comments to say about that when he's on the show next week. Uh, who was that who hit us up there, Fast Card? I didn't see it when it popped up. Vengeful. Uh, look like a ven uh, vengeful. Vengeful, as always. Vengeful, thank you so much for the sub. We appreciate 35 it. Months. Oh, well, 35 months. Oh, God, we've been on that long. Diesel P. No, someone someone hit 42 months yesterday. Uh, Wait, I might be might be in streaming alerts. Hold on. Oh my goodness. Yeah, someone right. hit 42 months yesterday, and I I, I probably pointed out. But We've been on a long time. Well, thank you guys so much. We really do appreciate. Standard it. deviation was on for 42 months yesterday. Yeah, you know what? Standard was the one person. I think Standard came on a month after we started. I think he was. If he's not the first, he's at least the second person who uh, supported us. If I'm remembering correctly, so he's our OG. Yeah, but I mean. 42 OG. is a great number, though. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Absolutely. <laughs> CC Creator. Hey, CC. How are you? Good to see you. Okay. Um, well, listen, um, you know, this week has been filled with nothing but CitizenCon stuff from just about everybody on Twitch and YouTube. People have been really excited about CitizenCon. Uh, and we've still got some excitement, too, but we're going to cover from a different perspective. But before we do that, I want to introduce everybody who's here today. Uh, on the far end, down there, holding it down. Back in her hoodie. <laughs> I think the world got to see her without her hoodie last week. Yo-Yo uh, Meg, <laughs> what's going on, Yo-Yo? <laughs> yeah, I didn't wear a hoodie one time. At That's true. Time. I didn't think about that the whole weekend. She went, yeah. she went out yeah, there. Yeah, I was going to say, the whole weekend. Yeah. I mean, she even wore my jacket for a while, and that had a hoodie, but she didn't put, it, put the hoodie on. I know. I didn't even realize it had a hoodie. We had, to, we, had to, we had to go see all that beautiful hair last week, which we never get to see that often. So uh, she was showing out last week for us. Uh, who was that, Royce? Who's it who came? Oh, boy, Thrakazog. Who else was that? Thrakazog and Royce Derby. Royce Derby, um, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for the subs. You guys are awesome. Hype train going. Oh, my God, you guys got a hype train going already. All right, well, yeah, it was good Good to see you. Yo, did you get some rest, yo, or are you uh, still a little... Oh, yeah. Yeah, are you? Oh yeah, are I, you still pumped? I, think, uh, I, I still am. Yeah. Um, but I definitely got much needed rest. I feel like I'm sure a lot of people were the same. Yeah. I was thriving off like probably six hours total. Yeah. I was just after day the first night so tired. Yeah. Second day <laughs> I was like or like 
I got there Friday, so like that was my first night. But mm -hmm. Saturday, after all that, I was just so hyped about what what could be next for Sunday. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then I almost missed my flight Monday morning after the no. that, that VIP party. Oh my and god, my phone died. Sure. It was rough, oh. but oh, I wow. made it back home. And yeah, I was. I definitely needed sleep when I came back. But. Yeah, I can imagine. Did you leave was, super early with Abby that day or no? I didn't leave with him, but uh, from the party or uh, like Monday morning. Monday morning to the uh, no, airport. We left separately, but I got there oh, at like okay. 7 a.m. It took okay. like an hour to get there. I'm sure everyone's was the same, but yeah. Wow. I, I, that was like my first time really in experiencing LA without like a vehicle or anything. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had fun. I had a freaking blast. I even just talking about it now, I'm getting hyped back up. But it was a fun time. Right. It was that's a fun time. Great. That's great. Nomad, 1701, good to see you, Nomad, 100 bits. We appreciate that. And Royce Darby for gifting to Blackwater Goat, BWG. Thank you for that gifted sub. You guys are pushing the hype train. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Look at them. They're about oh, to hit it. Thank you Charles for the subscription. DCI, as always, thank you, Charles. Good to see you here, too. You guys are, oh, God, you guys are going to make us smile too soon already. Uh, next to Yo-Yo is the man himself, Sub the Geo, better known as Geo. What's up, G? How are you? Word. Mm. I'm a, I'm that great. I'm having a blast. Um, yeah. I guess I'm still coming down from the, the Citizen Kind high that it was. Um, oh my god! I, I had I had a freaking blast. I'm trying to learn DaVinci Resolve. So I can get these videos out. Uh, yeah, same um, here. I, I haven't touched I haven't touched any of our travel stuff yet. I just got oh a little bit stuff for the con, and I gotta maybe this week I'll try to get the travel blog out. And you guys will hear me and Gio talk about that later. But that's coming up. But we hit 100. percent You guys. Thank you so much. Um, who was that? MT Stunner. <laughs> Stunner, thank you so much. Mad Style, good to see you, Mad Style. Mad Style 1911, thank you as well. You guys hit our, wow, well, you guys put us right there. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, let me ask you, GR, how are you feeling about right now from your tight, your hype meter? Where are you at and how far down there? You're at 70%, 60%, 40%. Where are you at now? It, man, I, I got to say, I, I'm, I'm back. 100% hyped up because you know mm -hmm. when we were on the way on Soul Train I was like my hype levels are about like at a 6 to go there. I'm like <laughs> I'm, I'm really more excited to see everyone than the actual presentation mm -hmm. but after I saw the presentation I feel like CIG really has it nailed down now Yeah. Um, to, to like not showing stuff not too far mm -hmm. um, showing stuff that's kind of like in the near future right. um, so nothing, everything I've seen didn't seem like oh my god we ain't gonna see this until like maybe four years later yeah. type thing. Everything was like there, like close. So yeah. I'm pretty, I was pretty excited. I'm hyped. Okay, good, good, good. Royce Darby, thank you for the gifted sub. Critical, is it critical high? Yeah, critical high. I hope I'm saying it right. Critical chai, Kai. Thank you for following. I'm so sorry if I'm slaughtering your name. And BWG, thank you. Thank you for the 54, 53 bits. Thank you. We appreciate 53 bits. We'll take them. Thank you so much. And last but not least, the man himself, FC. How are you, Fast Kurt? I'm doing good. My my height levels are increasing as we, as we continue to talk about it. So I'm feeling I, I was suffering for a little bit from the um, post citizen count blues, but I, I'm doing I'm doing I'm, I'm managing I'm managing. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> Captain Jones from Captain You guys Jones. are nuts. Thank you so much. Ten subs. Y'all show some love to Captain Jones. Oh my goodness, that is awesome. Thank Cheers. you so much. You guys are pushing us over the park here. Thank you. They're going to make us hit our goal before the end of the night. We're going to be at our 60s. Yeah, I mean, we only have two days left in, in October. <laughs> you guys are, yeah, you guys are awesome. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, 
Yeah, you know, this week, uh, I've been trying to watch a few people and get, you know, watch commentary from different people and what they've had to say. I still have not watched the presentations. I've only watched the very first one on Star Engine. And so I'm debating on whether I'm going to watch them with you guys each week. And just so you guys will know, throughout the month of November, we're going to be watching every every Sunday, we're going to be watching two of the episodes from CitizenCon and going over them. So if you've and the reason why we're doing that, normally we just do one show and it's just kind of a review of the whole thing. But we kind of felt like this year there was so much information. I mean, just so much information that you have to digest it and then go back and watch it maybe two or three more times. So, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> when I watch it, it'll be first reaction. For the other folks, it'll probably be their second or third. <coughs> and of course, yours as well. So we're going to be doing that over the next few weeks until all the way up to IAE. And hopefully by IAE, we'll be done with those. And then we're going to go right into IAE. So we hope you guys can join us each weekend as we cover these. And like I said, next week, Star Drum Gimmick is going to be our uh, be one of our guests on next week as we talk about ships. I, I got to mm-hmm. give a shout out to Aubrey. Aubrey, just sign up for, sign up for one, of the, one or two. Uh, sign up for all the shows we want to. <laughs> go ahead and sign up. <laughs> Come <laughs> on, Aaron. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to get into this. We've got a lot to watch. We want to make sure that you guys get something to drink, something to snack on. This week, we're going to go over Star Engine. We're not going to do the intro. We know, and don't get me wrong, we would love to watch the intro, but the intro is 20 minutes long. 20 minutes long. Most of us have seen it. We know what's in there. We all got hyped when we saw it. Uh, and a lot of people asked when, they, when we first got the schedule for the weekend, a lot of people said, why are they starting out talking about the engine? You know, it was kind of like, that kind of caught people off guard. You would think that it had been something more exciting. But once we saw the intro, we definitely understood why it was important CIG started out with the engine because that laid the foundation for everything else that we saw that weekend. So again, I think if you watch it again with us, you're going to digest a little bit more. Don't forget if you guys have any questions, don't forget to throw those in. We hit the little um, ellipse down at the bottom. You can put a question in. We're going to do questions at the end. But if not, get you something to drink, get you something to snack on because this this first presentation was an hour and 30 minutes long. So we may stop from time to time, but we're going to try to save our comments to the end or any thoughts we have. Because again, most of us, if not all of us, have seen this already, okay? So we just want to kind of brace yourself for this particular show. Uh, and again, if Calrati drops in, we'll get him in. Uh, let's, let's get this show rolling. Let me uh, jump here. Got to push the right buttons, the right buttons. Here, pushing the wrong button. Why am I pushing the wrong button? There we go. All right, here we go. Kicking us off here in our first category. And here we go. Bonjour! Bonjour, CitizenCon! We are so happy to be here. It's been so long to see you guys physically and just being able to interact. It's been fantastic so far, and we're super excited about all this. The video you just watched outlined a lot of features in the Star Engine. It's a reminder of what makes this game so special. It's a focus on fidelity. I said it. It's a focus on immersion, and it's a focus on seamlessness, being able to go everywhere, and you just, <laughs> Thank you're you, just Stanley. there. The accomplishments from the tech teams at CIG have been numerous in building all the technology that allow you to run the game and allow you to experience the same things that we see in our dev setups. And so what we're about to see today is a deep dive into all these features, 
But first, I wanted to touch really quickly on this last year. We have launched Persistence, or added Persistence. It's been a rocky road this year, and I want to thank you guys for keep on, keeping on playing, giving us a hand, giving us good bug reports. It's been fantastic for us to improve the stability of the game, so thank you so much. You guys deserve a hand of applause. Thank you so much. Thanks, Royce. Appreciate the 100 bits. I just want to touch on one bit, which is that all the people you will see in the next couple tech panels are really the best of their crafts in the world. They are infused by a value that we tremendously value at CIG, which is relentless optimism. That this game can be made. That this vision can be achieved. And so, without further ado, but first, I got one more thing to say. <laughs> so, in all of the different panels that you'll see, the, all the updates, um, everything that you'll see on screen, whether it's a HUD, an MFD, a ship UI, uh, FPS weapons, everything, all of this is new. So, as you watch the clips, you're going to see some differences. That's because this all comes from the freshest implementation that we have. We love open development. We love to show you guys the work in progress. And so that's exactly what we're going to look at today. And so without further ado, I'll leave you with Marco. We'll show you all the cool and amazing features of our engine and the challenges that we face. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Benoit. Hello, I am Marco Corbetta. VP of technology, and uh, we're going to talk about Star Engine today. We have been developing Star Engine for many years with the goal of creating an online living universe. But creating a universe is not an easy task and even more difficult to do everything seamless without any loading screens or invisible walls. And massive spaceships flying very fast close to the terrain and objects are pushing the limits of procedural generation and streaming. This is not a single player game, so creating this universe online is making everything more challenging. We stream and generate physics on server on CPU, and we already support more than 100 players on a single server, more with server meshing. To support all this, the engine must do a lot of work every frame. So in a typical Star Engine frame update, we got up to 64 hardware threads, about 200 software ones, over 700,000 streamed in entities and millions of entities overall in the solar system, about 150,000 updates per frame. We have over 200 vehicles, spaceships and ground ones, over 2 million physical objects, over 100,000 objects generated per frame when flying over the terrain. We have many unique locations streaming on demand in a seamless, gigantic space. I'm gonna stop there for a second. That, those statistics blew me away when I heard that, how much stuff was running in a frame I never thought about it that way, that there's so much data and information that's running in the engine. And I guess, you know, when you talk about development is hard, this kind of definitely for me, you know, really stuck with me. Did these statistics hit you guys when you guys first heard this? Yeah, 
I don't want to speak first, but if anyone else wants to go, for me, um, I take for granted for sure how much like how much it takes, how much stuff there is mm-hmm. um, with Star Citizen. Um, I, I, yeah, the statistics are insane. Just to think about it, and like as I play every day now, I'm like less relaxed and patient with the game because like there's just so much going on that I have no idea about. Yeah. Okay. I mean, no wonder our PC dies so much, right? They're doing all this stuff at one time. I mean, come on now. Well, to, to your point, that is part of it. When you think about how much data and what's being handled in the game, you know, it's very easy to, like Yo-Yo said, to kind of look at the game and, and where you are, but not realizing how much other things are going on within the game. Just even all the entities and stuff alone, you know, that all that stuff exists. And I know things get filtered in and out, but still, that's just a lot of information and data that's being passed. And it's about in a single frame. You know, let alone yeah, you know the, and, the game in general. Mm. And I want to make a serious point. It's like I, I like I want to say in 2016, 2017, people were worried about whether or not the star engine. It wasn't called that back then, but whether or not the star engine would um would keep up with with, with, with uh, current technology. Yeah. Uh, this right here is your answer, right? Yeah. Well, very much so. Uh, there was a lot of concerns in the early days, like you said, fast card. Because remember, some people were even saying, well, why don't they just build their own engine? Why, you know, even mess with CryEngine at all? But uh, evidently, Chris knew what he was doing when he picked it. You know, um, they figured some weird hybrid that works. So, uh, but anyway, I just wanted to stop and, and with a lot, it. But and a lot of it was luck, was luck too, because they picked up a lot of CryTech people from, um, well, that from too, CryEngine Studios. That, that, so. did, that definitely did help. I mean, they had some people who came from CryEngine and other industries before the big CryEngine fiasco. But still, right. the fact that there, the foresight to look at that and say that was the, I mean, he could have picked a lot of other things. He could have tried Unity and a lot of other stuff, but there was something in CryEngine that he saw, you know, that was good, and they went that route with it, so. And well, we got- people, I don't understand. People who say that about, oh, they should have bought, they made their own engine, they have no clue about development. Just, mm-hmm. that's just brain dead talk right there because they, they got like some of the best people from Crytek Mm-hmm. working on this engine right. like you can't have a better setup than what they got now everyone says unreal engine or they should have made their own engine no the situation that they're in right now fits them perfect because you got all the geniuses almost from crytech from mm-hmm. that layoff where they weren't getting paid in-house with with chris like right. all the big people who make all the best stuff from crytech so i think their mm-hmm. situation is perfect for them yeah it, it was and again that's why brian chambers is one of the main guys working it because that's where he came from was over at crytech mm-hmm. so Okay, and yeah. good, Cal Roddy, good to have you join us. Good to see you. Hello, everybody. All right, here we go. Also, we are supporting many new features that we are going to showcase today. I'm going to start in introducing the new and improved clouds and fog worked on by Carsten Wenzel in the R&D team. The first new feature is the light shafts. They are volumetric shadows from clouds cast into the atmosphere. They're truly volumetric and 3D, fully integrated. They're not just a post effect as it is usually done in games. With this, the atmosphere from an overcast sky gets darker. And this is important for planets and locations with bad weather. Another component is the new ground fog. It follows the terrain up to a specified elevation for different locations. It is also fully integrated into the atmosphere. It receives volumetric shadows from clouds and terrain. It reduces the light scattered into the view rate. And 
in this video, we are showing all the features combined together. In addition, we made many improvements to cloud shaping to allow for more variation and details. The shape noise blending, a vertical variation has been improved a lot. Also, we made improvements to shorten long distance width and the tiling is less visible. And, and best of all, best of all, we're going to include all these new features and improvements in the next 3.22 release. Okay. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Nice. 3.22, gang. Not a long wait, like you said, Gio. Right around the corner. They're emulating the fog and up in a pyro on, on, on in the um, community booth area. Uh, so I'm Mike Snowden, I'm right. the director of visual effects. And I'm Ali Brown, I'm the director of graphics and procedural tech. Thank you very much. Really happy to be here, really excited to show you. Uh, we're going to be showing... Dan we'll talk about the backlog next week there, Charles. That's going to be I next week's show. I that. <laughs> next week's show. So Dynamic Fire is a driver uh, for gameplay in both FPS and multi-crew experiences. It creates emergent sandbox gameplay and it can be used by designers to craft very dangerous scenarios for players. And as you can see from the video, it gets very intense. You gotta keep your hoodie on, Meg, when you go through the fire. <laughs> okay, so how do fires start in Star Engine? Well, there needs to be a source of ignition and there are multiple ways in which it can occur. For example, weapon impacts or misfires, explosions or damaged items, and the player needs to be alert to their surroundings with fire and ever-present threat. If a fire does break out, you're gonna see it dynamically propagate through the area, uh, causing damage to environment and player. And at this point, the player needs to limit the damage, of course, by extinguishing the fire uh, in any way that they can. Let me stop there for a second. Um... If you guys watch this thing with fire, um, anybody who wants to jump in, just every, everybody didn't have to answer this one, but anybody who wants to, would, did, did this whole thing with fire propagation change the way your idea of when you think about running a ship? Because like right now, if you're in a ship by yourself and your ship catches fire in the back, <laughs> if you're by yourself solo, there's going to be some issues. And did, did this, has this kind of rung in you guys' head now that 
Because they said fire doesn't have to happen because you're in combat, but maybe something explodes or a component wears down or something like that. Anybody got any thoughts on that? Be, I'm going to be, I have to be careful what, what people bring onto my Bennett Merchantman for, for selling and trading, that's for sure, because I mean, I may have to put put a sign up to say, like, have a TSA screening or something like that to make sure <laughs> that, that they don't bring something harmful to my, um, damage, damage my ship. Mm. Also, I, I imagine when Endeavor eventually gets put in and science and, and gameplay and everything gets get, get put in, um, the, the chance for failure and um, and catastrophic accidents or whatever may occur. So I have to be careful with, with, with what I make or what I try to modify too. Like when I try to modify a particular weapon and it backfires, you know, that, that could cause trouble. So. It could be, yeah. Yeah, Roddy, Meg, Gio, either one of you guys got anything about that? Yeah. Um, so this doesn't apply to everybody, but, you know, I've been talking to a few persons with regards to this whole thing and having to manage all of these disasters. And I've heard just from one or two people, so it's not a lot of people, um, that it's made them rethink about the size of ship that they'll be using, at least in the in the short term at when mm -hmm. this comes online because mm -hmm. we don't know of course what i'm going to assume is that i mean given that players are funding the game cig wouldn't you know flip the switch and be like ha 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 you can't use <laughs> this huge ship on your own now you know to a huge impossibility mm -hmm. ha 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 mm -hmm. but they so i i think cig will allow that probability of a single person to struggle a lot in these kinds of disastrous moments in mm -hmm. a large multi-crew ship. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, either way, it, it, it has made some persons that I've spoken to rethink, at least when it comes to starting off in using these larger ships, mm -hmm. you know? So it, 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 it's been an interesting revelation um, after watching these kinds of presentations, especially with the fire and having to ma manage those things. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this thing, this idea of logistics and crewing in the past. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not trying to take away the, uh, the, the possibility that people can go out and do something solo in a Connie or whatever. But I am saying that there's another consideration that's given if you're the only person on that ship. What's your compromise? Your compromise means that you either have to... Um, if there's no possibility of venting your ship, and even if you vent, uh, later on in the presentation, they talk about the fact that <laughs> if the heat level is still at a certain place and you reintroduce oxygen, you could reignite the fire. So, you know, you really need to be able to have somebody who can visually make sure that the fire is out. And if you're solo in a ship, that means you have to abandon piloting the ship in order to do that. Um, and that may create point, maybe if you're, just, if you're out in space and nobody's around you, it's not a big deal. But if it's in a combat situation or a situation where you do have to worry about being vulnerable, that, then that can become an issue. So I'm, I'm just curious if, whether or not that rang with anybody because the fire thing to me, first of all, fire in space is scary all the time, no matter what, you know, uh -huh. but um, the logistics of it, it introduces a new level of logistics that maybe players haven't thought about, you know. Meg, were you going to say something? Uh, I thought Meg was going to say something, no? I, I was, but you can go fast, Kurt. I'm going to say, Karate, you, you did it. I'm going to say, Karate, change your background. That's that too on point. No, <laughs> change your background. Don't get good at that background. Everything's on fire. Yeah. We're going to say, Meg? Um, yeah, just 
basically the same thing that Colorado said. I've I've heard like many people talking about how they've reconsidered and eat my even me myself. Um, I normally like to just get in the ship and and go, just zoom mm -hmm. around. And there's no, um, I can't think of the word to use. Like there's no really like downside to being alone right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. You normally can just like get out. Right. So even like <clears throat> we're gonna be talking about like more stuff in either the, today or in the coming weeks. Like um, there's more things that you have to consider. And I love like. I love where the game is now. It's mm -hmm. so easy, but I'm so excited for the game to get more and more complex. Yeah. Um, because I feel like that's 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 what Star Citizen is. It's yeah. more like realistic. Like you're really living out there in space, and it's gonna be more scary and terrifying. And you're not gonna want to be alone. Why would you want to be alone in space? But, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So yeah. Okay. Well, uh, if you have a if you have an option between being surrounded by uh, not people who are not intelligent and people who and in yourself, maybe you prefer be, be, be by yourself. It depends on the situation. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> Those engineers aren't cheap, though. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The cheaper ones. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Oh, I got two oh, go things. Yeah, go quick. Yep, sure, quick. One, where's our fighter fighter ship? I, I, I want a concept of a mm. firefighter ship. Two, like you guys said, my main concern is I want to see how they're going to do this with the single players, um, especially with like smaller ships that don't have like an interior. It's just you in the cockpit. Mm -hmm. um, if stuff catches on fire in there, is it going to be like a little mini extinguisher to, you know, stop your legs from getting on fire? <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious on how they're going to do that inside the cockpit. I think even right. today, I think I think some jets do have extinguishers in the cockpit, if I'm not mistaken. Not Drake. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, Drake, we already know how Drake feels. You, you smoked it, you cooked. You already know that is. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, here we go. So, when doing so, they're going to need to wear protective clothing to protect them from extreme heat. They're going to need to wear a closed helmet to protect them from smoke inhalation, poor oxygen levels. And there's actually multiple ways the fire can be extinguished, including the removal of heat, uh, for example, using the fire extinguisher which is my personal favorite. It's a lot of fun doing that. Uh, the removal of oxygen, for example, locking off the area, venting the oxygen, creating a vacuum. Or simply the fire's burned so fiercely that it's, it's done everything it needed to do. It is nothing left for it to destroy. And if you let it get this bad, it's probably time to consider repairing your ship. Okay, so how do we achieve this from a technical perspective? Well, the first thing the artists and designers do is they mark up their scene to tell us what physical properties uh, each surface is made from, whether it's wood or metal. But not only on the surface, we have to de describe what is behind the surface. You might see a metal panel on your spaceship, but has it got cladding or wiring behind it? It's important we know all this so we know how flammable it is. Then after this, we have to define all the physical properties that go with these surfaces. So, for example, where, where the mass is, the energy density, combustion temperature, air fuel ratio. And we use all these physical properties and we sum them up in each voxel, which is a one by one meter cube. And then once we have these voxels, this forms the basis of our simulation. Okay, I gotta stop interrupting. I'm keeping interrupting guys, because I, as I've watched this the second time, I'm hearing more and more stuff. The fact that all those things are factored into combustion for fire, the type of material, are there wires behind it? Uh, whether it's metal, wood, um, you know, these are the things that I think that on the surface is very easy not to see. You know, when you're playing the game and people may not know that they're going to this level. I mean, do you think this is going too deep or do you think this is cool? What's your vote? <laughs> just Why not both? Me. It's both yeah. deep and cool. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, Meg? It just scares me to think about how all of this can be happening again, like 
the we we were just previously talking about all the instances that are going on. Um, mm. How is this going to affect the servers? It just that, that just worries me, but I'm sure it won't be that bad. Okay, all right. Uh, so then, as we first thing we do is we look for sources of ignition, and then we're off. So here's our debug mode that shows us what's, what's going on in the simulation and is what we use to track it. And you can see these squares enlarging to show us where the fire is spreading. For each of these voxels, we're tracking the fire, the temperature, fuel remaining, the amount of smoke, and the fire is propagating via convection and radiation, which are both accurately simulated. And it's consuming the gases and producing the knock-on products as well as it goes. And because we're using a proper simulation, like Mike mentioned, when you vent a room, not only are you removing the oxygen to put in the Hey, real quick, Miss Gabs, thank you so much for the raid of 144 viewers. Gabs fans, thank you guys for joining Welcome us. Waiters. We are doing a review of the very first session from CitizenCon last week, the Star Engine. You are more than welcome to join us. Gabs, hope you had a wonderful stream and a great stream, and thank you for sending your wonderful folks our way. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I just want to... I want to mm -hmm. give a shout out to Miss Gav. It's a pleasure to meet you finally. Watch your stream quite a few times. It's a pleasure to meet you in person. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Raiders. Hope you guys can sit in and join us with us. Get something to drink, something to snack on. <laughs> but if the temperature remains the same, if oxygen is reintroduced, the fire will reignite and it will continue burning, just like it would in real life. So what's next for this? So our focus has been on interiors, in particular spaceships, but all interior spaces really, and this voxel grid really helps us solve that problem. Our next focus is gonna be on planets. Obviously they represent a slightly different challenge, the vastness of them. We have to transfer this over the network and simulate it slightly differently. Uh, and we also have to render it at scale. But the, the way we've done it, the, the, the core tech we've used, we should be able to scale this up quite easily. So that's, that's gonna be our next focus. Okay, so how do we create realistic dynamic fire visuals in Star Engine? Well, we start with the simulation, as just described by Ali, and this gives us the data we need to drive the visuals. Thank you, Willie. Thank you, Trooper, for the follows. Then we bring in the burn shader. So this can be applied to static environments, and we have a lightweight version of the shader for entities, which is kind of based on the, um, the dirt shader and where. Then we've got the glow, which is an animated surface decal shader for static environments. This is where we get, start to bring in some nice motion. And then we bring in the GPU particles, which are spawning from voxels and then screen space. Obviously, these are doing a lot of the work visually. Thank you, Kigo. Then we bring in the lights. These are spawned for clusters of voxels as opposed to per voxel as an optimization, a cluster being a representation of voxels close to each other. And then we bring in the fog. So this is height-laid volumetric fog. The smoke fills the room and it goes up to the ceiling before filling the rest. And we're simulating that. So to finish, we're going to take a look at all of that put together in the game. Thank you. It's going to be a scary thing to do. I'm afraid that I won't be able to do it accurately because my head will be shaking trying to save my ship. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be able to put on the fire properly. 
Bye. Jade, you got me. Thank Thanks you, Oliver. Both, thank you. Wow. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Definitely different respect for fire. I can imagine someone's Hello, going everyone, back like Matilda. Let's talk about water in Star Engine. So, water is a huge part of both of our games, Star Citizen, Squadron Porsche 2, and we wanted to give it a major upgrade. We were going to set three ideas that we wanted to impart on our water. We want it to look as good as possible, obviously. We want it to look realistic. We want it to be beautiful. We want it to be in motion constantly. It should always be moving and always be reacting to everything around it, whether that be players or objects or vehicles. And we wanted this to work on the whole scales of all of Star Citizen, all the way down from footprints in puddles to enormous ships crashing into the ocean. I'm going to talk about our updates to the water rendering first, and then we'll move on to that other stuff I discussed. So first of all, the water shaders, particularly the ocean and the river ones, were in dire need of a major upgrade. They were currently using a technique called deferred shading, which is really fast and fantastic for opaque objects, but does not translate well to transparent ones, which of course water is. So the first step that we made was to transition to forward shading. That allowed us to introduce more physically based techniques, such as proper lighting, reflection and refraction. It allowed us to integrate the atmosphere properly into our water lighting setup. And it also meant that we could get more fun, more fun techniques, such as uh, wave crest backlight scattering and adding better foam rendering, which includes half-tone blending, surface haze, and much more detailed bubbles on the individual bits of foam. Welcome, Corgis. I've got some examples of that here. In this particular screenshot, you can see the icebergs in the near frame. You can see we're refracting the iceberg underneath. It's correctly refracted. In the mid frame, you can see that the iceberg is reflected back onto the water. That is now accurate. We weren't doing that properly before. Here you can see our accurate water lighting from this really beautiful screenshot of the Gladius over the water. That's I love cool. this one. <clears throat> so this is That's the fire. objects under the water being correctly lit, which is new. And then we are applying the lighting changes from the, um, the specular highlights on the surface and also considering the lighting from the suspended particles in the water, depending on how deep and dense the water is, which gives us this really beautiful effect. Thank you, Gifter, uh, five gift subs. Good, Thank you so much. What's going on is it's demonstrating <laughs> that the atmosphere and the water are sorting oh, nice. properly. This looks like everything is normal, but it's challenging to implement with forward rendered water and uh, proper Raymarch clouds like we have in game. Props to Alan, who worked on all of this. I, d I did the, the next bit. Uh, and here we can see the wavecraft light scattering. See how the sun is coming across the back of those waves. It's lighting up the, su the suspended particles in them. It just looks gorgeous. Here we have the multi-layered foam. And from a distance, we have both surface foam and subsurface foam rendering correctly. Looking really, really nice. I've just got a video here before and after. First of all, uh, this is our, our lakes on Standard 4. Uh, next, we have water volumes on Orison. Welcome, Dark Mosey. There you go. And uh, this last demo, this is a Clio on the Stanton system. This is what it currently looks like in game. And I think you'll agree for its dramatic difference. Nice. So, the next bit that I want to talk to you that me and uh, the team of Planet Tech and Graphics have been working on is, of course, water surface simulation. 
This has been absolute pleasure to work on. So we had a few aims for this. We wanted it to be multi-input. We want physics to influence this. We want our MFX system to influence this. We want bullets. We want everything. We want high concurrency. You guys, it's a sandbox game. You're going to break it. You're going to stick a thousand, pi uh, thousand picos in our puddles. It's got to work. <laughs> and it's got to be scalable. It's got to work from the tiny scales to the footprints in the puddles all the way up to, as I said, giant, crashes, giant ships crashing into the ocean. So the technique that we chose for this is a, a form of surface wave propagation. It's GPU-based, highly realistic at a low cost, and it can be scaled for waves of different amplitudes. So we can have all of that built right in just by adjusting a few constants. I've got a demonstration here. We're going to have the player walking through the puddle. As you can see... For some reason, it did not play on the CIG video, but it was on screen, just so you guys know. So don't ask me why it didn't, but it didn't for this first part steps you get a bigger ripple but even as he's stepping the toe is being dragged through the water and moving the water accurately this is not a cop out we're doing this in 3d you see as i'm jumping and then this next demo we're going to fire some some bullets this is a bit loud this one right the one more thing that we have to look at so it's all well and good this working on a puddle but star citizen is not made of puddles it's made of oceanic planets it's made of everything we needed to make this multi-scale so we yeah we wanted the water near and far not just in a square around the camera we wanted lots and lots at once the solution we picked was a multi-region water sim now this was really really tricky to get right but i really think we have now which basically means that we can dynamically allocate all of the simulation regions depending on what is colliding where and what resolution we need at what parts of the screen we can optimize this very heavily to make sure that you get what you want to see at, at the right time we still need to get that information onto the water, though, and that's a bit trickier. So what we devised is yet another set of regions. Now, the regions are slightly different. The simulation regions need to happen wherever something is contacting the water, and that needs to happen regardless as to whether you can see it, because there's a collision going on there. I look away, and then I look back. If it stops going and has to restart, that looks bad. Whereas the water, we only need to know the total result when it's actually in view. So we have these new regions which cover all water in view. And the beauty of this is that we can use this for multi-input and multi-output systems. Anything can influence our water, whether it be the simulation, whether it be weather, whether it be VFX. And then anything can be affected by water now. So the water rendering reads from this. But then we can also spawn VFX particles from wave crests. We can add screen space effects. We can have a line across your visor. We don't have this yet, but it's accurate to the displaced water in front of you. We've got this technology now so we can use it to influence any of our work going forward. And here's a really good video of some of it in action. Just, I'll just let that play. This is a debug mode. Essentially, we're moving a sphere of basically infinite mass through the water. And as you see, if we pan out a bit, we make our sphere a bit bigger, we get a much different result from the sim. Spawning the foam properly. It looks really nice, really happy with this one. So what I'm going to do in a second is I'm going to turn on the, the debug mode so you can see where the regions are. You see we've got these grey boxes. They light up green when there is a hit inside the box. We've also got different sizes going on. If you look near the shore there, there's a big cluster of text. That is a whole bunch of other regions because there's some stuff floating there causing little ripples that we can't actually see. And as you see, these can, can you for a moment? we can... Yeah, I wanted to get this in before we get too far, but, you know, they're talking about the ice before, but, you know, people want the 890 to, to, to float in the water. You got to be careful because if you hit an iceberg, you, you could sink like, like a Titanic, depending on how big the iceberg is. And, you know, seeing all this, this will, this will become a game of ice and fire. I'm looking forward to it. It looks awesome. Well, you know, to, <laughs> I don't know why you, 
Somebody choke him next time he stops me to video to tell a joke. Somebody else, you know, make sure I you was, get me, okay? Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't have enough to. to you didn't have band, enough bits. You didn't get to put the band in. I was just trying, trying to activate. <laughs> trying to get the band in. Okay. No, I do want to. Too late. Too late. I know they're all, they're all flying up now. Let me say this uh, about the water. I know I heard some people complaining about the water, saying that certain things didn't look realistic. You know, I want to tell backers, please relax. This is tier zero or one or two. You know, I mean, they're, they're working on it. You know, um, I'm grateful that they're doing this, that they're thinking about this because most of us weren't thinking about water reacting at this level. Particularly, they said it was going to be reacting due to weather. So I'm trying to wonder what that's going to look like. You know, if we start getting hurricane, maybe. Yeah. Hurricane. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of, that's a whole nother thing that I wasn't thinking about. Um, but I, I thought it was this, impressive. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So for those who know of Helios two and the mm. high waves, yes. this guy <laughs> is going to be responsible for <laughs> making that finally a reality. Mm. In the very, mm. like in the earlier days, I didn't even know if they were even going to be able to accomplish, you know, these these really really high mountainous waves but given yeah. the physics that he's talking about yeah and the reaction it's it, it it has a higher probability of happening absolutely you interstellar fans you know what we're talking about um we've mm. got a water yeah, world yeah. in the game and uh boy oh boy imagine if there is some type of title thing that happens within a certain time frame uh, it would be pretty interesting but yeah i thought that for what we're seeing i mean we and i want to say this in equation to the cloud tech because we've seen how cloud tech has evolved over the last couple of years. And I think water's gonna do the same thing. So just give them the space in the room and I think it's gonna get even better. But I like what I see already personally. Again, you good. know, I gotta, for the assets that say the water doesn't look good, I want you to, to go back and look at some of the, the midfield gameplay. My fault, uh, Starfield <laughs> gameplay. Shoot at the water and you tell me what it does. Same thing with Cyberpunk. Before that last update, you shoot in the water Nothing happened. And these are games that came out not too long ago, and CIG already got better water than them. So stop stop all the trolling. We already know the water in this game is better than majority of games that come out. Matter of fact, since you said that, I want to know what game water looked better than what we just saw. Please. Let's <laughs> not just talk, talk no more. I, I want to ask them what water looks better than what we saw. You got to put a stamp on it. You can't just talk out your mouth now. We want to know what water looked better than this. Enough. On a serious, on a serious note, Asman Gold was doing the um the the, the reaction video, mm -hmm. and people in the chat were saying like the, the water that not look good, but Asman Gold fired back saying, yeah, there are fifty thousand things that does look good, and and and, and this is one th one thing that don't don't so he, he, you know he 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 giving them a pass. So yeah. I don't know if that make people pause or they're going to be stuck in their ways. We'll have to see. The other thing too is always remember that. What what we're still seeing is, is stuff that's being that they're working on you know what i mean and th it's the result right now but we've seen the cig constantly updates lighting updates graphics i mean it's always almost every other patch they're doing something to improve the look of the game so you know it's gonna it's gonna get there is all i'm saying but i think it looks great where we are right now i'd be happy with that water right there but they're gonna make it better that, that was my whole point okay here we go yes add the results from multiple sizes of simulation together and they influence and interact with one another accurately. You see those big waves crashing over the little sim there. It, yeah, it, it works pretty nicely. <laughs> I've gone ahead of my subtitles, but I'll just let that video play out. So, 
What does that look like when we bring it all together? What's it going to look like in game? Now, you did see a little bit of this in the Star Engine trailer, but actually, I think this video does a little bit more justice to it. So I'm just going to let that play out for you. Second, you're going to see the wake start to happen behind us there. And from the cockpit perspective, water droplets on the glass thrown up from the water stem. This is what I'm talking about using multi output. And that's us. Thank you so much, Sitcon. Handing back over to Ali. Hello again. So, here, I'm here to talk to you today about a few other graphical things we've got coming in. I'm really proud of the work we've done on the fire and the water. They both look amazing features. We're going to talk to you about a few, a few smaller features and a few longer-term R&D features we're coming in on the visual side. This first one, something we wanted for cinematics and telling a story, but also to tie into our active feature system, which is to get the face to tell a little bit more story on our characters. So this blood, sweat, and tear system is something we implemented recently, and it allows us to use a GPU particle simulation, which we project onto the face, and then we integrate it into the skin shader so we can get realistic reflection and refraction of water on your face. Did Lincoln, and we even uh, make the skin go a little bit redder to simulate the extra blood flow when you're tired or upset. Craven, thank so you. None of this is a pre-canned animation. It's completely dynamic. We have complete control over everything. We can keyframe every single tear if we want to. And we can even simulate blood, like here. So the next thing I want to talk about is our scope shader. Uh, design came to- No, i stop there for real quick. Um, I tried to figure out what the applications were going to be for this. I don't know what you guys think about it. Um, I, I thought that the applications <clears throat> for Blood, Sweat, and Tears would also be something that was like a physical indicator of what's going on with you, particularly if you're injured in particular. Like right now, uh, we were out last night doing Orison, Towers and Orison, and um, when someone gets injured, you know, the person who's injured can tell you what's wrong with them, but if you're going to help them, there's no external way of knowing what's really wrong with them other than if you use a device to scan them. So, like, for example, Calrati, if you got shot and I see you bleeding from your mouth, maybe that tells me you have some type of torso or head injury. Is that, is that kind of making sense? The, the visual cues for us? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I think, um, especially since uh, when medical gameplay becomes, you know, more mature and those things, uh, you know, apart from having to understand and know how to utilize tools, um, those who are playing these kinds of medic or recovery roles, it would be nice if we have some kind of visual cues as well to indicate, okay, straight off the bat, <clears throat> we can apply this or that um, without having to rely on a particular analysis, which may take you know, a, a, a much longer time. So mm -hmm. if you can rely on these visual cues, we'll be able to get to the point a lot faster. Yeah, because all these are signs of distress, right? If you're sweating, you're crying, you're bleeding, you know, 
it gives you some type of indicator. Like you said, if medical gameplay comes in, even in the hospital, you know, um, who knows? I'm just really trying to figure out what the other applications could be. I mean, it's, there's cool factor, but CIG is also known for making sure cool factor does have some type of gameplay element to it, you know? Okay. Telling me that they really wanted a up, up the game with the uh, rifle scopes. They weren't quite good enough. They didn't really feel realistic for them. And they thought it was a real core part of the uh, first person shooter experience. So to give an idea what we used to do, we have these type of, we used to use these type of fake scope meshes, which you see here, which is where we'd have to slice the scope in half so you could see through it. And sometimes we put these big black planes around them to obscure your vision. And the, we put a bit of glass on the front of it, but there was nothing really to tell you Thanks, about FC. the lens. So we've worked on a new scope shader, which is now going to be on all of our scopes moving forward. And I'll give you a quick show of what that looks like in game. So on the first scope here, we're going to see it's got an infinite projected red dot scope uh, sight. We've got lens distortions. You can see this little refraction and bending of light on it. I see it works when you, you don't have to be actually holding the rifle for it to work. Yeah. We've got that is pretty cool. correct emulation of eye relief on the scope. So we have the blur, distortions, uh, chromatic aberration. And then we've also got support for digital displays like this one, which has light amplification and has uh, support for EMPs. Uh, you know, if you get an EMP, you're going to have the, the display is going to get distorted. So we're quite proud of this. We think it's going to be a much better, more realistic uh, simulation of the scopes in the game. And I think I kind of mentioned before, but it's, it's not a fake effect. It, it can you, to can you pause down? I'm going to make a serious comment this time. You can look down second. somebody else's scope and see the same thing. It's fully integrated into it. So it's really quite proud of that. Oh, you got a joke, man. No, I thought I was going to make a serious comment. <laughs> something like that, something like that make, 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 make me make me worried it is too deep and, and, and too complex. Because, I mean, how are you going, I mean, yes, you can use a mouse to, but you got to make your mouse just right in order to see everything correctly, right? So, uh, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're under pressure or, or, or under some kind of time constraint, I, I don't know if that's going to, um, you know, be... A hindrance, if you know what I mean. I think the PVPers are the ones that are going to enjoy it. To be honest with you, I, I don't. You know it's, I mean? it's not. Yeah, it's not a distraction to do it. I think it's just it brings it introduces a greater level of realism to it, and that is. And Nomad said it. That's the point. I mean, the idea is, is that it's too easy going in, and they, they're right about that. Um, when you go to the scopes, if somebody else has a gun out, you can look in their scope, which in a lot of games you can't do that. It's only the person who's holding mm -hmm. it. So. It, that is that is how it looks. I mean, that's the way it looks in real life. But I don't think it brings any level of difficulty. It's just that you kind of know that when you go to that weapon, that's what you got to do. You know, I don't think it delays you very much or anything. If nothing else, it may even give you a little bit more accuracy. Um, but uh, we'll see. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just a lousy shot, so I'm worried. That's all. <laughs> no, you may find that it helps, to be honest with you. I mean... It is, it is, the realism is there, you know, and I get what you're saying about pivoting and making sure you're centered and everything like that. But I think you may find that it won't inhibit your playing, you know, if, if anything else, it might even enhance it a little bit more. Well, I think they might have future-proofed themselves for with VR too, because some people are going to have VR scores. Oh, if you ever get to head, that point, yeah. And you're about to stay lined up or even with, like, I, I tried Toby uh, tracking for the first time at mm -hmm. the con, and I'm like, this is insane. Like, yeah. it even watches your eyes. I couldn't believe it. So they're probably future-proofing for stuff like that. Like, Could be. they don't want people to have too much of an advantage with VR or mm -hmm. Toby. Okay. And who knows what else. Okay.
Next feature I want to talk about, hopefully if any of you have a HDR monitor and you've been playing 320, hopefully you've given a go of the HDR feature. We're really proud of this. It looks really good. And we've got some great feedback from you guys as well. There's been some uh, strong feedback about we want extra black level controls, so we're going to be adding that for you. So make sure you can tweak the image exactly how you want. Uh, and there's a great user guide on Spectrum as well if you want to know how to get the best out of it, because it's not always a straightforward uh, text to get the best out of. Um, just to give you an insight of how this works, um, we've got something called the Unified Tone Mapping Curve. And this is the process where we map the real-life colors of uh, real, real life in intensities of light onto what your monitor can display. And rather than having an SDR mode and HDR mode, we have like a smoothly, uh, smooth system where we can blend between SDR and HDR, depending on the peak brightness of your monitor. We also pay a lot of attention to make sure we preserve the colors and the hues to keep an accurate image for the artist and especially for skin tones. We don't want them turning red or white or doing anything bizarre. Um, just one thing to mention, we've got some content adjustments that will be ongoing. We've got a lot of content in Star Citizen. It takes a little bit of time to make sure we balance everything so it doesn't look too dim or look like a supernova. Next thing I want to mention, temporal upscaling. This has been something that's been asked for for a long time. And we're proud to finally get it into your hands. We've got three different techniques we're going to be implementing. Uh, we've got CIGs. Uh, we've got our own temple super resolution solution called TSR. We've got AMD's Fidelity FX Super Resolution 2, and we've got NVIDIA's DLSS 2 as well. Um, they each have different characteristics and hardware requirements and trade-offs, so it's is important to get you all free so you could have a choice of what you want to look. That's very cool because this whole thing with upscaling and different graphics cards and stuff, you guys know I won't, I'm not picking on Starfield, y'all, but there was a real big thing between AMD and NVIDIA when the game got launched, and they had to put in some oh, yeah. third-party stuff. So it's good to know that CIG is making sure that no matter what you know you have for graphics, they'll be able to accommodate it within the game. I'm left here, just got to zoom in from one of our outposts. That's a no anti-aliasing for people that really love to see jagged edges. Uh, the center one is our TSA, which is what you've got in the current release today. And on the right-hand side is TSR without doing upscaling. And this is going to be replacing the TSA solution. And this gives us better quality and more stable image and hopefully much less ghosting. We can use our TSR to do upscaling. Here's the example of how it looks at each resolution. And similar results from AMD's FSR. And some numbers here, which I'm sure you can pour over later. But basically, we can get about two times GPU performance if you're interested in using the upscaling technique. Uh, obviously, if you're CPU limited, you might not get quite them numbers. It depends on your machine. Uh, we also intend to look at frame generation techniques like FSR free and DLSS free, but these are going to come a bit later. We're going to focus on GPU performance, getting that up first. Frame generation isn't really applicable unless you've got a really good performance first. Some other quick updates. We've got the screen space shadows as alpha 320. Uh, it gives us some extra detail in our shadows uh, across characters and in particular on planets. It helps a lot. And we've also got a new texture and mesh uh, streaming engine that helps us get as much possible detail as we can onto your VRAM on your GPU. And it type of does something we call load balancing. It will scale dynamically for your GPU to make sure we can get the absolute best possible results. Uh, we've also got some more streaming uh, improvements coming in the next release. Just to give you a quick show of what the screen space shadows mean, here we've got a planet with no shadows. I think it's Microtech. Uh, the shadow maps, you see these are the normal shadow maps that fill in half the scene. But then when we get the screen space shadows, you look in the, the top of the screen or in the uh, the flowers, they type of fill in the detail for the rest. They really help type of bed the scene in and stop these things looking at floating. <laughs> next up, I just want to talk about planets for a little bit. Uh, it's something I get asked about a lot of what's happening next with planets. So we've got quite a lot of R&D in progress. 
First thing, we've got two new uh, pieces of tech being started recently. First is virtual terrain texturing. Uh, it's quite a technical detail, but what this means for you is we're hopefully going to get much less popping or no popping at all. And we're going to achieve this by moving all the calculations to the GPU. And we'll be reusing the same type of uh, patch-based system that Will talked about in his water presentation. And it should give you major CPU savings as well. So we're quite looking forward to getting this in. Another benefit is that it's going to give us the ability to add more complicated logic on so we can type of do more diverse and interesting terrain, like things like, you know, if we don't have beaches at the moment, we'll be able to achieve that. And there's other similar things where, based on the local conditions, we're able to do more advanced decision making. Next thing we want to look at. In product for a moment. Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping for, I'm looking forward to the no popping because uh, out of all the immersion breaking things, that, that one wins it the most for me. I don't know about other people. Because um, there was a th the scene in one of the, I think it was the squadron for the two, no, it was the, 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 the stones and demo. We saw character pop in late after, the, you know, the, the camera was already there. Mm -hmm. It's good for CID because it, it proved that that's not, that's not a cinematic or a, or a cut scene. Mm -hmm. Proved that it really was an, an engine, but it, it but it does like you know, it doesn't really look good um, from, from from a gameplay perspective. So I'm looking forward to to to, to seeing that. Yeah, very cool. I also like the fact that he mentioned that they're they don't have beaches. He said yet, so the idea of them putting beaches in the game should be pretty interesting too. We asked about the most is our scattering system, which is what's responsible for putting all the trees and the rocks down in the world. Um, we're gonna again move this to 100% to the GPU. And that should let us have vastly longer draw distances uh, right up until the horizon and much better performance. Uh, so finally get rid of the dreaded pop of trees coming into you. Um, we also have to integrate it with our harvestable system, the resource system, and the, the awesome fire system you just saw a minute ago. Um, another point is it's going to be a hierarchical-based system, which what that means is we'll be able to use nearby vegetational rocks to influence what other vegetation rocks can grow or will show up. And this lets us produce much more complicated rule sets so we can do things like have a tree that maybe underneath it, it it doesn't have any grass or maybe certain trees come together in clumps and we'll get much more natural distribution of vegetation and final thing we want for planets is we want to be able to build them much easier much faster and we want to make sure they are truly unique at the moment our planets are unique however they are built from type of tile sets like pre-built things to get mixed and matched together and blended in complicated ways that so you don't see the repetition but it's not truly unique, not in the same way that the Grand Canyon might be, or the River Nile, or Mount Everest. And that's what we want. So to get that, we need to replicate the complicated natural processes on Earth, like geology, climate erosion, and these things aren't trivial. So we've got three options. We've got offline tools, Houdini, Terragen, things like this. We could simulate all these processes in the engine. But we've started some R&D a few months ago on uh, the web. We can use machine learning to do some of this. So just to give you a quick idea of how that would work or how it could work, if you just start with some random input here, it's just like some noise. Uh, we run it through a, a temporary, simulation, temporary simulation, so we can type of get a more uh, reasonable uh, approximation of simulation at different altitudes uh, and latitudes on Earth. Um, and then we, what we do is we categorize all this into different biomes. So based on the temperature and moisture, you'd find out what is a desert, what is a forest. And this, this part is <coughs> crucial. So this is the input for our machine learning algorithm. We could come up with this image any other way. You could hand paint it as an artist, or we could just randomize the noise to get a different set of images. And then what we do is we take the large data sets we already have from Earth, from Mars, and from the Moon, and we train it on exactly the same uh, distribution, uh, so biomes, so forests, 
uh, grasslands and things like this. And by training it on exactly the type of data we get in reality, we can take this and then push just that, and then we can get these lovely height maps out of it that tell us a really realistic distribution. You can see here, this is the height map, so the black areas are low. You can see all the little rivers and valleys, and this has zero R input aside from this image. It's a very nice result. Um, it's early days. Uh, it, this is based on something called a custom diffusion neural network. Um, it's, like I said, it's pre-trained on Earth data, and it's been built up in patches so that it just doesn't become too expensive to build. And the little circular patches get like added together and they to avoid all any seams in the image. And then just to help you visualize it, I've just put some colorization on it to show you where like snow and beaches might be and just wrapped it around the planet to give you a better sense so it doesn't look quite so abstract. Yeah, but this is very early days, this stuff, but we're hopeful this will be helping the future of how we build planets quickly and efficiently. Um, thank you. So the last thing I wanted to talk about today is our Gen 12 renderer and Vulkan. Um, this has been ongoing for quite some time, taking a lot longer than we would have liked, but we're finally getting to the end of this, this long journey. Um, for those who don't know, the reason this was being implemented is largely for performance. We're going to be getting at least two times better performance on our CPU submission for rendering, which is often the bottleneck for the game, so that will directly hopefully translate to performance improvements. We also get better control of memory with advanced GPU features like resizable bar. And it also opens the door for some things like ray tracing and new mesh shaders. Uh, so we've got a video of a Vulcan running, so it's live captured. So uh, I can't remember which ship is this, but it's um, this looks really good. Working fine now. There's a couple of hitches and performance, so we can't quite release it yet. But we're looking into them, uh, the last few performance issues and stability issues, and hopefully we'll be releasing it soon. I am very happy to be here. So, like I said, the one thing or one of the things we really were interested in by implementing Vulcan. Noble later, thank you for the follow. Hardware features, and the, one of the big ones was ray tracing. So with that, I want to hand you over to Ben, who's going to talk about some of our lighting research. Hi, I'm Ben Parry, and this is Global Illumination. Thank you, Looney. Welcome. So, as Ali just said, um, sorry about the delay, guys. Moving over to the Vulcan renderer, and now that that's fully online, we've got access to hardware ray tracing on the GPUs that have support for it. And the best thing to do with hardware ray tracing would be to create a new, updated global illumination system for us to use. Now, I'm here to give you a fairly early preview of the work that we've done so far. Uh, but first off, I'm just going to simplify some things and ask, what is global illumination? Um, well, you can break the lighting in a game down to three components. Uh, first off, you've got direct lighting. That's not global illumination, but that's uh, the sun, lights in the level, that kind of thing. Next up, you've got diffuse global illumination. Now, that's uh, like a whole hemisphere, like a soft lighting that affects the entire, that takes from the entire scene and lights up the pixel. And then finally, you've got glossy GI and reflections. Um, that's like your shiny surface glints, your mirror reflections, that kind of thing. And now all of those combine together to form one glorious penguin. Now, <laughs> now for the rest of this presentation, we're specifically talking about this guy, the diffuse penguin. Um, Glossy GI has actually been disabled in all the videos. Even the old, si the old system videos don't show the Glossy GI here, just to aid the comparison. 
Uh, first off, we've got a video from Chris Campbell, who's going to make us look cool. I love this one. They light up everything in the hangar. It looks so good. I just want that hangar. So next up, the boring or the interesting bit. Um, how are we doing it? How does the tech work? Um, I'm just going to dig into that just a little bit. So we're closely based on AMD's recent paper, GI 1.0. We're probably going to build on top of that, but at the moment, we're quite close to it. Uh, we ray trace against a simplified world so that we get um, like smoother lighting. For the, since it's a diffuse scene, we want a sort of diffuse, smooth signal. Um, this also means that we get more rays per millisecond, which is always good. And we do generate a lot of probes. So the new system is generating, well, for comparison, the old probe was about one probe per room. And the new system is about 25,000 probes that are all on screen at the same time. And we're going to see that now. So here's a scene that I've dramatized a little bit just to give trouble to the old lighting system. And this is what the ray tracing sees. So it's a simplified single color per object kind of thing. But then we've also got this uh, kind of a 3D dictionary of average light values so that the light is kind of shared over things in a similar area. So going back to the scene, uh, this is the old system. So you'd render a single image from the center of the room blur it, and then slap it onto the entire scene. Now, as you can see, like the middle of the scene is about the right lighting, but everything else has got the middle of the scene's lighting. Like These red lights at the sides are basically drowned out by the table bounce, but somehow made it across the room to them. So we want to replace that system with 25,000 probes, each one of them only providing light to a small area around themselves. And then we interpolate that to provide like a smooth bounce and you can see already in the distance, like the red light is, is really bouncing up there. And then we add a screen space occlusion pass just to, uh, just to tidy up the edges on things. And there is the final composite. That is really impressive. Mm -hmm. So what else does it do?
Well, because it's, re it's real-time generation, it means we can do a real-time bounce, and we can do that with quite small areas. You can get like a really vibrant bounce that picks up off small objects in the scene. And that means that the art team can really lean into like strong local variation on color. As again, we will see. So we'll do a side-by-side -side comparison on this one. As you can already see, like the spotlight's really like throwing stuff into the scene. This is just one light in the room. And we could actually, we did have live updating, as you can see in the old system, but it's, it was designed for like time of day changes rather than this continuous smooth view. And finally, it means that we can do things like glowing surfaces can just illuminate the world without having to add special lights to, to fake it. I thought it looked good when it was old. It looks even better. Right. <laughs> so yeah, there's two really common cases in Star Citizen particularly that this is going to help with. First off, cockpit brightness. We capture at the moment the... <laughs> At the moment, we capture that cockpit probe in a, in a setup scene, and then we don't update it as you're flying around. So you're not going to get the sky color in, and you're not going to get the ground color in. And then we've got the opposite problem that I don't have a picture for this, but cargo bays, sometimes they're light, you land somewhere dark, you open up the doors, and now you've just got this weird little light room with, uh, with nothing spilling out of it. So again, let's have a video. Oh yeah, so this is the old system. The sun's working, but you can see there's no sky, there's no ground lighting. By the way, I've turned off a lot of the cockpit lights so that you can see this. And then in the new one, you can already see the skylight is kind of helping a little. But then as you turn over, you get all the ground lighting. Wow. And yet there's more. See, one of the concerns we had was that we didn't want to create a two-tier system. If people have got hardware ray tracing and it's working for them, that's great. But you can't really have the art team optimizing the scene for one type of lighting and then having to optimize it for another type of lighting and having to trade off decisions about the two of them. So what we've been experimenting with is trying to create a new low bar that's higher than the old low bar as well as creating a new high bar. And the idea for this is basically to take that single room um, environment probe system that we have been using update it so that we can do live relighting on that, and then to sort of slot that in where the ray tracing would be while still keeping all of the other stuff, like you know, the, the 25,000 probes and all that kind of stuff, can look at the old system and we kind of Frankenstein them together. So I'll show you what we've got so far for this. So this is just the old one and the new one so that you can see the problems. Like, just it's, it's overly lit, let's be honest. And now this is what Star Citizen would have looked like if we released it on the PS1. Um, the sharp-eyed among you may have noticed also the ship is missing, but, you know, we can't do dynamic objects in this. You'll be surprised. It doesn't seem to mind. And there we have software GI in the middle, which is, yeah, like I say, it was using the same 25,000 probe system, but not having to use any kind of hardware ray tracing. As you can see, it's not a perfect match. It's not identical, but it's a lot more dynamic than the old system. And finally... <laughs> and finally, I'm just going to show you a to-do list here. I don't have pictures because it's stuff we've not done. Glossy reflections. Obviously, we want to complete the picture, and for that, we need to handle glossy reflections. Uh, 
that self-explanatory, really. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> Secondly, you've only seen it on, on opaque surfaces so far. The next step is to extend this so that it can support glass and water and all the other transparent things in the game. And beyond that, we've obviously got fog. We've got other atmospherics. We want to expand GI to make sure that it affects everything smoothly and equally. And the final thing is the Star Citizen thing. We've got giant scenes. We've got a ridiculous scale on some things. And we've got plans to make sure that this GI extends to handle that full scale. Anyway, that's all I've got to tell you now. I've been Ben Parry. Next up, we've got StarCraft with Chris Rain. Very cool. One of the things that I've, I've, you know, I've been wondering with regards to ray tracing mm -hmm. is, you know, how does it essentially speed up the um, development of lighting for, you know, the lighting team? I would hope so, given that, you know, they may not have to put in maybe arguably speaking as many probes for shadows, lighting, especially with regards to the size of our game at the cost of, you know, initial um, performance impact until ray tracing becomes more mature and resource friendly. Resource yeah. friendly. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm. I didn't expect them to be even dealing with ray tracing this early. I mean, I guess it's good that they're doing it. Oh, just squadron. Yeah. yeah, putting it for squadron. So that's why yeah. I expected it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they were just talking about it. What, like two years ago? Mm -hmm. It seems like on 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 the forums, and then yep. boom, here we are. It's in the game already. Like, whoa, yep. that's quick for Star Citizen time. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I am Chris Rain, and I would like to show you not one, not two, but three new physics of our physics engine. And I would like to start off by introducing Star Cloth, our new character cloth simulation with a short video. So this is just regular player movement. That was actually me playing. You can see the cloth collides with the ground. You can see multiple layers of cloth that do not interpenetrate. Cloth gets influenced from wind and has accurate collisions with the player's body. We now have support for collisions from dynamic objects. This was the joke. Uh-oh. You can play football in any outfit. I missed this on because uh, uh, we were at the booth. I got to see it the next day. Yeah. Someone had to explain it to me. Yeah. You know, Chrome Ninja from Test Squadron was a great sport. Um, he told us the story that the, <clears throat> the night before, Disco ran into him, saw how he was dressed up, and basically they worked it out. He ended up ordering a football, a soccer ball, uh, had it delivered that night <laughs> so that the next day they could do this little bit. And uh, people really enjoyed it. It became a very quick meme because people kind of laughed and, of course, Disco knew exactly how to play it up the next day, which was which was pretty funny. 
cloth supports the full range of motion a human can make, from fast movement to extreme poses. EA wants us in their FIFA game. Well, I bet. Now, for, mm, for, nice. Let me Do say, this with frostbite. Yeah, let me say this, though. For those of you who went and had a chance to test Pyro at the convention, and for those of you who are going to hopefully get picked for the experimental next week, this is in Pyro. When you guys see the people walking around, their clothing and stuff is moving now. So it's 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 there. You know, it's not way, way, way down the line. It's, it's when you, if those of you who get to do it, when the testing starts, check out the clothing. You're going to see that this stuff is in there now already. He's in way better shape than I am. Starcloth is designed to be a first-class member of our physics engine. It interacts with everything we have to offer, from character movement over forces like wind, thruster backwash, explosion to projectile impacts and collisions. It's efficient. It always updates at 120 FPS, regardless of the frame rate, and is hand-optimized. It's immersive and believable, it's a realistic simulation based on physical properties. It's high fidelity, high quality. We want to raise the bar with this. The visual geometry you see on the right is complex and not suitable for simulation. The visual geometry is made with visual quality in mind, and that does not translate well to simulation. So we decided to add the ability to use bespoke meshes that are made to simulate well and let their movement then deform the visual geometry. This allows us to share the same sim setup across multiple visual meshes, which is a huge productivity boost for tech art. We can seamlessly blend the simulation on and off, so we can disable the simulation at a distance. Back to the football. Everything that is dynamically simulated is able to interact with the cloth from ships over crates, boxes, and even footballs. We ensured that the collisions are accurate and believable. As you can see in the image, the football parts both layers of the gown. The cloth itself supports self-collisions, which means it will create folds and wrinkles, but not interpenetrate itself or other layers of cloth. The same applies to the static environment as well. The cloth will drape itself around the environment. Now that's cool. So brushing up against objects will, re will result in the behavior you expect. We added tapered capsules to improve collision detection accuracy. A tapered capsule is a capsule which has two different radii at the endpoints. Human anatomy is complex and we need to accurately represent it for collisions. The traditional capsules we use on our dolls lead to jumps in the collision surface. Not, no I have a serious question, if you could pause for a moment, between please. Between the elbow and the... So and with man. this... Uh,
the, the, they had the, the physics engine and, and stuff like that. I, a, a while ago, you, you, you needed a no, you didn't need that. I'm being serious. Thank you. <laughs> you, you needed a, uh, a, a a a separate card almost for for to 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 render the, the, the physical stuff. With with this, everything is on one card. But do you have to tick on that like physics uh, thing to 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 render these things, or, or how is that? Any, any idea how that's gonna work anymore? Calrady, you got something on that? I don't think that. Repeat that one more time. Yeah, I, I was too focused on batting with Joe. <laughs> See, that's what you get. Yeah. No, you, you remember how you had you had a separate card for for, for physics. Uh, now to put it on, 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 on whether you want it on the CPU or the GPU. But well, I'm wondering with this, this will all this will all be C C uh, GPU. I, I'm guessing. Yeah. And, or, do you have any idea uh, 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 on that? Probably. CIG's been already trying to migrate stuff over to the GPU <clears throat> and take as much pressure off CPU. I don't know if Cal Rodney, you got some thoughts on that. Yeah, um, probably because I remember, uh, if you all remember, uh, NVIDIA had a showcase back in 2014, 2015, where they were using four GTX Titans. It was a Final Fantasy demo where they were showing off two things, crying and hair. Uh, I think from that presentation, they had ushered in NVIDIA Hairworks. Uh, so if anything, um, I think it's definitely going to be on, it's most likely going to be on the GPU. And if it's actually going to be able to be this cost efficient, then props to the CIG team, given, you know, the long history of hair and, and cost performance. And we're going to see a lot more on hair, especially, uh, I think, in, in right after this one, because it's... Back then, it was very expensive, um, resource-wise. So, most likely on the GPU, I think. Okay, I'll just carry this. Arm and another jump where the forearm connects to the hands. These jumps pose significant problems for our cloth simulation. If you look at the upper torso, you can see the collision proxies are actually completely hiding the cloth, and they're essentially completely useless. So, now notice the difference on the same body represented with tapered capsules. We can now faithfully represent the hips, legs, and arms of the character. An additional benefit of tapered capsules is that the collision detection is significantly faster than with regular capsules. Currently, we're only using them for uh, cloth collision detection, but in the end, we'd like to use them for everything. We simulate the cloth always at 120 FPS or 120 Hertz, regardless at which update rate the game is running at. We do this to be faithfully able to detect collisions with a fast-moving character. As we're simulating at a higher rate than the game updates, we have to interpolate the joint positions between updates we get from the game. At each simulation step, we perform collision detection, simulation and update the sim uh, the cloth sim cage now if the game is running at 120 fps we do one update for the for the cloth simulation if the game updates at 60 fps like in the image we simulate the cloth twice now if the game runs slower like at 30 fps we need to update the cloth four times you can see this in the image it's, it becomes apparent that 
we need to make the cloth run as fast as possible and we spent a great deal of amount of time optimizing this with various techniques, including handwritten vectorization and using every trick in the optimization handbook. The effort pays off because we can faithfully capture very complex movement and fast-moving characters, even at low frame rates, without any clipping or tunneling. Thank you. One area that poses a significant challenge for character cloth is when multiple pieces of garments layer on top of each other, like a tight-fitting jacket that lies on top of the pants, as you can see in the image above. This is a very difficult region to simulate properly because you don't have much space and the simulation collisions have to be absolutely accurate. This, what I'm going to show you, is a very subtle effect, but once you notice it, you cannot stop noticing it. This was very cool. <clears throat> I want to focus your attention to the waist region of the character. Here we tweak the simulation settings in real time to see the effect. Who would think of simulating this? That's my question. Here you like, see who looked at someone and said, we, we, we gotta fix that. With the high fidelity cloth disabled. And here, the same scene with it enabled. I mean, he is right. I'm not, un I'm, I'm unable to unsee that now, but you know. <laughs> to be continued, tomorrow, uh, much more can be seen about Starcloth in the character advancement panel. Be sure not to miss out. So, next up, star hair. Currently, we have the ability to simulate the effect of moving hair with joints that are essentially simulated pendulums. The hair is skinned to these joints, and when the, these joints move due to the pendulum simulation, the hair moves with it. This leads to a fast and believable movement of hair. However, the quality is directly co correlated to the quality of the skinning, which is tedious for tech art to achieve for some complex hairstyles. Further, apart from gravity, the pendulum joints do not react to external forces like collisions or wind or explosions. So we asked ourselves, can we somehow improve upon this? And I'd like to show you some early prototype results of our research. This is an image of the raw geometry you saw in the previous image. You can see many strands of hair, and we thought to ourselves, maybe we can simulate all of these strands. This is a single strand isolated from the rest. As these are simple triangle meshes, we initially thought, we could simply use our cloth simulation and simulate such a strand like a sheet of cloth. That didn't work out at all. It turns out hair does not behave like clothing. <laughs> also, the sheer number of strands and their individual triangles and vertices are simply too much to simulate efficiently, even for our highly optimized cloth engine. 
we realized then that our artists are actually using splines to create these strands. And a spline is a smooth curve or line through space. You could see that in yellow. Um, and we thought maybe we can just simulate these. They're, they're much simpler. So, and hair simulations need to be able to maintain the original hairstyle. You cannot have the hair simulation change the visual appearance of a character. One of the reasons why using the cloth simulation for hair did not work out of, at all is that the cloth only simulates vertices and they have no concept of orientation. So you do not know how the next segment has bent in relation to your current segment. In other words, you cannot easily simulate twist with vertices alone. For splines, however, that is very easy to do. So all of this together allows us to simulate the strands according to the theory of Cossarat rods. A Cossarat rod allows you to model the behavior of slender one-dimensional rods, exactly what our splines are, and simulate bend, twist, stretch, and shear, exactly what we need. Hair also needs exact collision detection to not intersect with the head, the ears, the cheeks, the jaw region. The video I'm about to show you is some very early prototype footage of how such a simulation actually looks like. So this is a test of various head movements to see how the hair reacts. Hair simulation my hair is one back of the hardest my hair back and forth. Uh, to simulate, especially in a real-time context, and very tricky to get right. <laughs> We're actually simulating all the hair strands. <laughs> so. We will have characters being able to run their hands through their hair and have the hair react realistically. A barber simulation next. Actually, being a bold man, this was a very touching moment for me when I made this video. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Ipashi, thank you. Next, I would like to introduce Maelstrom of physically based destructions. Okay, I thought I was tripping. So okay, oh, okay, right. I was, I was about to say, Griff, yeah, you're muted. 
You said a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> oh, really? Sorry, you know I what? Know I, I, was, I was munching on nachos, and I didn't want to crunch the mic. I'm sorry. Okay. No, I, I think I, they banned you said, instead no. of a fast card. That's what happened. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I was, I saying, give a ghost. I was saying that um, we, we are going to do a thing on hair because on, there, is a, there is a complete show that they talked about hair and coloring and character. So we're going to talk on that because... We raised some issues with it, and CIG actually responded to those issues, which was very, very satisfy satisfying. So when we get to that, we're going to talk about it. But yo, yo, you're going to be on that show, right? When we talk about hair and characters, right? You're going to come on for that one? I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think Yo-Yo's yeah. got the most hair out of everybody in our group. So those of, right. us, those of us with receding hairlines will sit back and let her talk that day. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Tom. And... Hey, I would Greg. like to do that with a video that I believe speaks for itself. Guys, I'm sorry about the delay. This is CIG's video. I don't know why it's running delayed, but it is. the water splashes that was impressive we want players intuitive prediction of the effect a weapon or a collision has to actually happen in the engine or in the game so we decided to move away from hit point pools or other abstract models to simulate damage, but rather have damage be calculated from a physical model and from the physical material properties of each entity. If something breaks off due to its structural integrity decreasing below a certain threshold, Meltstrom allows it to break off in a realistic fashion. If you shoot off a wing, the missiles and weapons on that wing should still remain attached. If the broken off part still has power, electric items should still function. This means Maelstrom was needed to be designed to work with a hierarchical setup to begin with. From the hierarchical representation of the geometry we want to break off to the same hierarchy on a higher level item for items like power plants, lights, weapon systems, and so on. Maelstrom is persistence and networking ready. We designed it from the ground up to work with high latency situations to persist and replicate easily. <laughs> to achieve all this, we gave each physical geometry Hey gang, bear with me for one moment. I am going to try and run this live from YouTube so that we don't have the delay. Because the delay, I know it's driving me crazy and it's probably driving you guys crazy as well. So give me two seconds to see if I can do this. It's a little impromptu tech thing that maybe we can make happen for you all. Sucks, I, I thought while we was at 
Sitcom, I thought this was all running smooth for once. Oh. <laughs> I guess not. Oh, you mean the event? No, 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 it's not that. It's a lag in the video, because I downloaded the video from YouTube. And it's oh, just okay. running, it's running with a lag. So I'm trying not to drive everybody oh. crazy with that. So let's see if this works for you guys. Bear with me out here. I just got to test it first, and then we're going to see if it works. Tree we want to break off to the same hierarchy on a higher level. Is it level. coming through okay? Item, for items it like is. power plants, okay. yeah. lights, weapon right. systems, and so on. Maelstrom is persistence and networking ready. We designed it from the ground up to work <laughs> with high latency Too drunk to notice the delays. to persist and replicate easily. To achieve all this, we gave each physical geometry instance and then identifier to be able to uniquely identify it within the universe. So your gladius wing is your gladius wing. We added physical material and damage properties that can now be replicated across the, the network. One of them, and that's the most important one, we call integrity. And this determines how much structural or internal integrity a physical geometry has. Integrity is modified from dissipating or rather absorbing energy from kinetic impacts or energy weapons, and also in the future from absorbing energy from external factors like extreme temperature or fire, as you've seen before. You know what? To answer your question, um... You're asking about if Maelstrom was on the map. We didn't see it on the roadmap, at least as far as I remember. It may have been in one of the areas in the progress tracker, but they did talk about it on ISC on a couple of episodes in the past that they were doing this thing on Maelstrom. And they just kind of gave us a little overview of it. They didn't really go into great depth on it, but we, it was about the damage model. So it did I come would, up in the past. Go ahead, go ahead. I would definitely add, though, whether or not, uh, I don't remember seeing something like it on the roadmap, but I would tell you, Chris Rain, I think, I'm not sure if Marco Corbetta was also part of the team, mm -hmm. but Chris Rain, he was one of the um, persons who were instrumental in creating a procedural destructible city demo mm -hmm. when they were working at Crytek. All of this, if you look up structural procedium, procedural system trailer on YouTube, you will see that the entire city was pre-modeled, destructible, the walls, the objects, it was amazing. That was created and demonstrated in 2009. Mm. So I think this idea was something that they really wanted to actually put into application well, yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, do, I, I do have one. Sure. I do have one question. Instead Man, of calling this, this maelstrom, why didn't they call it Star Bullet? Like, they, 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 I think they lost an opportunity here. Somebody, please, please put a ban in right now. Thank right, you, man. I just unbanned I, I right unban me before I got it in. Here. So, hey, it's all about timing. It's all about timing. <laughs> it's, it's a Star Crumble, Simpost. It's a Star Crumble. I'm going to be honest with you. I To see it in Squadron 42, I figured. But I was surprised to see them put that into an MMO. Uh, and, if, and they've got a lot of room to play with this destruction stuff with lore. We talked about this. We sat around and did some conversations about this and said how they could create lore on how they rebuild places when pl missions can be moved around. Said, if Calrati gets there before me, it's wiped out, but it pops up someplace else. There's a lot of flexibility they have where they can create these destructible areas 
that also get rebuilt by NPCs or whatever over time. So it'll be kind of cool to see where they go with it. Okay, let's keep it rolling. We also track which physical part or geometry the, uh, belongs to which visual geometry and which high-level entity. So if the structural or internal integrity collapses, we know which visual geometry is affected and which item might be affected as well. So a power plant will cease to emit power or implode, explode. A weapon mm. will cease to fire and so on. To make things break apart, we create what we call breakable clusters. A breakable cluster is a set of physical geometry, the visual geometry, and the entities on top that can break off. Between breakable clusters, we create abstract cantilever beams to be able to model stress and strain. I'll go into more detail in that in a bit. Breakable clusters are hierarchical. They mirror the hierarchy of all attached entities involved. They also embed the hierarchy of all animated joints. And they also embed the hierarchy of all physical geometries. They essentially represent a ground truth of the entire hierarchy necessary to perform all our goals for Maelstrom. This image is showing a breakable cluster graph of the Gladius. <clears throat> I'd like to show one more video of Maelstrom before we continue. We needed to find a good way to easily and efficiently determine when a breakable cluster breaks. We chose a well-established model from material sciences and structural engineering, cantilever beams. In essence, a cantilever, a cantilever is a structural member that has a fixed support and a free end. Forces experienced on the free end can be used to calculate the amount of stress the fixed support is enduring. The basic be ideas behind that are best explained from a very simple example. If a ship were to collide with the horizontal part of the crane in the image, far from the vertical part, the fixed support would endure a higher stress as if the ship were to collide closer to the vertical part. But not only does the point of impact determine how much stress the cantilever beam experiences, also how large the surface area is but, uh, connecting the cantilever and the fixed support has a large influence on when a cantilever beam will break. In our case, this actually means we analyze the cross-section of the intersection of the set of geometry from two breakable clusters to calculate the surface area. A wing attached to the body has a rather large connecting surface area compared to the surface area calculated for the stabilizers connected to the body. We then project 
forces from impacts and explosions onto these cantilever beams and calculate the stress the beams experience. Over time, this stress turns into strain, mm. and if we reach a certain threshold, the beam snaps. The result, simple, efficient, and deterministic breakability. But this is not just about ships and buildings that you saw in the videos before. We want Maelstrom to be a systemic system that we can use on all types of entities. So here's some video of some test footage of AI shooting each other behind breakable cover and Maelstrom barrels. Physical material properties influence damage and breaking and have a direct influence to how things break and fracture. To achieve this, we added various properties, density, yield strength, resilience, thickness, toughness, Young's modulus. And this is more or less what I wanted to talk about Maelstrom, but I don't want to leave without showing one more video of what carnage Maelstrom can, can create. So thank you very much, and with that, I'd like to hand over to Benoit. Well, if nothing else, there's a lot less salvage laying around thank afterward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I am not this person, but I'm filling in with him. So, so far, I mean, do you guys think this is going to change your game up to now? All these new features? Hell yeah. Okay. So we've seen updates from fire, water, we've just seen force, we've seen sun and light. So the next thing that's left to build a ludicrous space game is audio. And so I'll leave you with Graham, who's going to show you some of the new audio enhancements we bring to Star Engine to make it even more realistic than it is now. Hi, CitizenCon, Graham here. Good to see you. Recently in the audio team, we've been looking at how we can create a greater psychological connection and emotional impact within our games through the use of improved audio technology. Audio can play a crucial role in the immersion of the player. And with that in mind, the audio code and technical sound design teams have been looking at all of our tech from the ground up. For example, when you're under threat, you should feel a real sense of danger. When you're armed, you should feel the dangerous power that you hold within your hands. 
Earlier this year, we showed you our resonance tech, which allows us to bring the action much closer to the player, even when they're deep in the bowels of a ship and far away from where all the hits and the explosions are happening. But that's just one part of a much larger push to create a better, more immersive audio experience. With that in mind, let's take a look at some of the tech we've been working on. First, let's listen to some of our weapon sounds in action. They're a great simulation, but we wanted to take them further and express the sound pressure, the forces being exerted. Our new in-house audio effects, particularly the multiband compressor, tuned by our sound designers, give us this result. Welcome to 53FX. The compression serves to illustrate the power of the weapons and the effect that they have when going beyond the limits of the listener. Let's show you the same audio effects applied to the ship weapons, taking us from this to this. But it's not just about feeling powerful. Changes in audio can create a sense of danger, of being out on your own and under threat. Here's an example of ship combat. Welcome, Menno Sieri. Sounds good. But what if we wanted a little more realism? Griff, you're muted, you're muted. Thank you. Um, that's always been an issue with sound in space. Um, but in gaming, you need some type of audible indicator to help you in the game. Uh, but if it's too much noise or too, you know, too much noise, then it becomes arcadey. Um, so I've always hoped the CIG would find that right balance between something that was a little bit more muted uh, in certain, with certain things, you know. Um, I love the sound of the ships from interior, but external sounds, I don't know how you guys feel about the balancing of that because you need the audio to tell you something's going on, um, but you don't want to have it just where it's just this ringingly clear audio all the time. But I don't know, does it bother you guys that the audio's like that? Because I like the muted sound that they just showed there. Uh, so the on so in a single cockpit, I really, really like it because mm -hmm. I, I can see that it correlates with it. But uh, just like you said, I was actually thinking about the multi-crew experience um, with respect to this. Mm -hmm. Currently, you know, with the... Un well, unfiltered or louder sound, it feels, you know, it gives you a heightened, a, high, a higher sense of danger right. of what's happening outside. Right. But with the muffled sound, I guess, you know, it, it, I don't know if apart from that kind of, um, that more compressed audio cue, mm -hmm. uh, how it will actually affect the player's it sense of danger. Yeah, um, I know, un until the hull is breached and you're hearing it. Whoa, Ooh. hello. Damn. Whoa, how okay. many is that? Was that 20? Holy shit. 
Jeez, thank we, you for we, this up. Thank, for 20. thank you, Chauvin. Thank you, Chauvin. Thank you so much for that. Y'all give some love. Yeah, you guys give some for love 20, to Chauvin. 20. Yeah, give give uh, Chauvin some love if you guys well, got a gift. Thanks to that, we hit our October goal. We passed <laughs> our October sure. goal. We actually passed it back when Stunner dropped the last two. So we're 20 up oh, now. Oh, I forgot. My bad. Yeah, we're 20 up now. So thank you so much for that. Wow. Thank you, thank you everybody. Yeah, I, you awesome. know, yeah, Cal Roddy, I, I agree. It's, it's like, you know... Those in a game situation, it does help you with understanding, like you said, threat levels or how dangerous things are. And if you're inside of a ship and you're walking down a corridor to hear those sounds that are there, they do help. Uh, again, I, I want to see where CIG balances it. I'm not saying which one is right. I'm just curious yeah. to see what they're going to finally determine for those audio visual cues, but also maintain some form of realism, you know. Didn't they? Some lore like that where they had, they had to explain how we heard sound in space. Yeah, because really, yeah, yeah, right. you can't hear nothing in space anyway. Right. So but that wouldn't that wouldn't be fun in game not to hear anything. So I kind of get that mm -hmm. they got to put some type of sound out there for game purposes. Right, right. right. I will say I, I, I was only in 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 the hall for doing this writing for the two um presentation first portion of the um presentation. But I'm glad I was not by a speaker because I could feel the, the vibration in my pants leg. It was <laughs> yeah, I mean, weird, audio, a weird feeling. Yeah, let's say that. No, the audio yeah, team yeah. is the audio team is doing it up. I mean, that whole oh, yeah. opening presentation between that and the music, they both made so much of the presentation so solid. And and those of us who were around back in the early days, one of the biggest complaints people had about um, Star Citizen, especially in Arena Commander was that the, the weapons were, they sounded horrible. The explosions were right. horrible. And and now there's there, there's so much depth in there. They're so full now um, that you don't even, you can't even compare to what it used to sound like back in the day. You know, it really yeah. sounded bad earlier. I mean, if I were behind, beside a, a speaker, it, I would be like, it's alive with the memory. I hear it before and back and everything. And it, 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 it would have been a mess. Cal Roddy, let me ask you a question. Because Fast Card's doing it again. Do you know what Memorex is? Memory. <laughs> what? Okay, thank you. That, that's all I wanted to know. I just want to, you know, every once in a while, Fast Car gets in the time machine and goes half back 40 the, years. Half the chat will know. Back, half the chat will you know, know. He goes to the back of 40 years and comes forward 40 years. I just wanted to know if, if you knew what it was. I know Yo Yo don't know what Memorex is. I thought maybe I'll I'd Google ask it. you. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you a video later. I'll tell you a later. Is that a, it's like an MP3 player or something. <laughs> Right. They're going to start talking about 8-tracks pretty soon. Let me start the video. <laughs> the audio propagation tech that we've been rolling out makes it easier to change the soundscape in real time. And a nice use of that technology is to provide a more realistic option. Here, your own weapons resonate through the hull of the ship. Only what's in the pressurized cockpit is heard clearly, and the go. threat level feels higher due to the isolating lack of enemy weapon and ship audio. That's what you were saying, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So it's actually opposite. So okay. Okay. You're so thinking about it. Thought, mm -hmm. The trying it out. Yeah. Making these changes creates space in the audio, both spectrally and temporally, making impacts seem bigger, more damaging, more of a problem for the player. I want you to feel old, This best. realistic mode isn't limited to the flight experience. It's applied appropriately to the game as a whole. Here's an FPS battle in a depressurized area. Mm. That makes sense. 
See, that audio cue lets you know even that you're in a depressurized area. With realistic area, mode, you, know yeah. you get mean? that sense of isolation again, giving the location a different color and adding variety to the audio experience. Very cool. Stuff is going to be something also. Mm -hmm. Player breathing and foley are exaggerated and other sounds are transmitted through physical contact. Yes, I see. I watched it yesterday for the first That's time. That's all from us for now. We look forward to getting these new audio features into your hands. Good stuff. All right. Hello, everyone. So. All right, here Persistent we go. Persistent Entity Streaming, Replication Layer and Beyond. Uh, my name is Paul Reindel. I'm Director for Online Technology. And I'm going to show you a little bit insight in our technology for Persistent Entity Streaming and the Replication Layer. I thought about what's the best way to show you something about that tech. And I thought about putting some technical drawings on the, on the slides or maybe show video like we did two years ago. But really, the best way to show you how persistent entity streaming works is to give you a live demonstration. And that's what I'm going to do. All right. So this will all be live. So please bear with me if there's any glitches. Um, Let's keep this rolling. Uh, I think I'm supposed to press the button. No, it's already switched. It's nice to know this was being done uh, live Before we too. start a little Definitely. bit, um, I just give you a little bit of an overview of what you see here. Um, let me set up everything. Sorry. So on this left side, you will see my client window. And on the bottom side, uh, you will see the server renderer. So for this demonstration, when I start a second client, I'm just. Just so you guys will know, back in the day, we used to actually look forward to the system crashing during CitizenCon. It was almost guaranteed that at some point, the presentation would crash. And so it's kind of weird now that they don't have the crashes anymore. But it was important to Chris that they show things in real time. Um, even when they would, so even they, sometimes they'd even put the camera on the person while they were doing it. And you would still get people saying, oh, it's all pre-recorded or it's all scripted. Uh, but they definitely always wanted to show us that this was working. And I think it was important that they always did that too, because it would be very easy for them to say, well, they just did it in the studio and then they're just showing us some stuff that doesn't even work. So stopping that. Sorry about that. This is live, all right. So again, on this side, you see the client. And he just logged out because I started a second client. So let's do this again. One more time. 
On this side, you see the server renderer, which is currently, uh, it has nothing streamed in. I'm showing a small uh, demonstration level. And on this side, you see the entity graph, which is our online database. Um, that's powering what you see in persistent entity streaming, what you play since 3.18. And I also have some metrics on the screen, um, which shows the entity graph uh, worker, the requests per minute, uh, per seconds, the mutations, and you also will see uh, entities created and destroyed once I do that. All right, so let's wait for my client to come up and uh, join this level. So the first thing that will happen when I join this level, you will see on that server, everything streams in and my client get connected and also streams in everything on the client view. Um, what would happen on this, on the behind the scenes is that my player just got unstowed into that chart and we had real time created everything for this player. So you will see his body is attached to the player. You will see his mobile glass, his head with all his customizations, um, his undersuit, and then all his uh, customizations as well on the undersuit. Um, what you also see is that this player just got unstowed and attached to a uh, static zone object container. And this is how our zone system works. Basically, on the server, you will see three different zones, purple, green, and red. And they, each zone comes with its own coordinate system and its own physical grid. And this is how we actually, on live, do uh, zone transitions between your ship, empty space, space station, um, or a planet. And you will see, as I walk between those zones, I will at real time update it in that entity graph. And this all happens seamless. So for a client, this is completely transparent. You don't notice that. But this is actually what's happening when you step in or out into a ship. And this is very unique to our engine. Um, no other engine has this zone system. And that allows us to do all the amazing stuff you saw in the videos before, transitioning in and out of uh, planets and go from the smallest scope to the largest scope. Um, so everything we do in a shot, so this is like a mini level, like a mini PU level, is also persisted in this database. Um, when we create new entities in our engine, in Star Engine, those entities get pushed into our entity graph, into our online database at real time, and then from there replicated to our clients. So mm. if I go ahead and spawn a couple of plushies here, you will see they spawn, uh, they get created immediately on my entity graph and replicated on the server and on the client. Um, so spawn a couple more here. And you see this, the uh, pangos I spawn in the other zone get attached to the other zone. Um, and then if I go and transition one of those, they will also transition between the different zones. Um, and the same works for ships or more complex entities. If I spawn uh, this buggy here, you will see this one gets created with all its attachments and, its, uh, and everything else attached to it. And this is just my small demo level here 
on live, we have up to 600,000 dynamic entities that get traded for one single chart. And this is just the initial state. After two weeks, three weeks of gameplay, when you guys go in and destroy stuff, spawn stuff, play around, it's, it goes in the millions of entities. Um, so this in itself is pretty, pretty amazing tech. Um, the next time I want to talk about is our streaming system. Um, most engines do stream on stream on uh, texture or uh, geometry. We actually stream entities, and we do stream persistent entities. So when I turn on the the streaming system here, and I walk into this, uh, if if I walk over to the red area you will see that the purple area will stream out together with all the entities on that server. So it does not only stream out on my client, it actually streams out on that server. And when I come back in the green zone, that purple zone streams back in with all the entities in there with their full persistent state. Um, so now I have uh, a second player join. Benoit is going to join me. So Ben, if you want to join, okay, I think you see him over there. Hey, Ben. Sorry. <laughs> nice. All right, I'm going to spawn a couple more penguins here. Um, because the next thing I want to talk about is new technology we are right now developing and we are about to put on the tech preview for you to play. Um, and this is actually the replication layer split. And that's the big next step in our, in our great vision, obviously, as you might know. So in this demo, my client and my servers, they are no longer directly connected. Actually, I have uh, a new service running here, and that is our replication service. So my client is connected to this replication service, and my server is connected to this replication service. And the replication service, its own the sole purpose is to get all the entities which are in the entity graph and stream them to clients and servers which are connected to. And, and what's really cool about this is, uh, let's do a little experiment here. Um, I mean, you all know our game has bugs. Uh, it's, it's still alpha and sometimes things can happen. So let's see what's happening uh, when I kill my server here. Um, so this is my server, uh, the actual console. So let's just shut it down. And yes, this is where you would usually see a 30K or something. Uh, you can see Benoit kind of froze there for a bit. Um, and the buggy does a bit weird stuff. I can shoot those pingos. But the world is really in a frozen state right now. But I didn't disconnect because I'm connected to the replication layer and not to the server anymore. Uh, in the meantime, I'm just starting a new server. Let's be a bit patient for it. Should come back online in a second. And as you can see, now that the server came back, it restored the state. It, it restored the state, and the simulation just continues to work uh, as, as, as before. Um, so this will be 
Again, this is a very early tech, but this is, this is a, a great benefit of what we have with our replication layer split. But there's one more thing. Um, and let's try this thing again. I just killed myself, and I, I'm trying to do that again. But this time, um, we're doing something different. So let's first go in here. Um, this is my development tool. Uh, I can talk about it in a second. So let's stop that server again. And restart. This will take a little bit. Um, I'm running this tool you see here. This is our internal development tool. Um, this tool runs the entire stack of our game on this PC. Um, this is obviously for development only, and I can do that with my small test level. Um, but this really helps online devs and all people who work on the incredible complicated tech we hear to be able to develop uh, our game. And because I run everything on this PC, it's a bit slow. So let's, let's wait and see what's happening here. All right. Simulation continues. I can see Ben moving again. Hey, Ben. However, what just happened? Well, as you can see on my screen, I no longer have one server connected. <coughs> I have three servers connected to this replication layer. So what you guys see here... That's cool. This is the very first version of a working server mesh. That's awesome. <clears throat> All right. So now I'm going to explain a little bit how this magic works, because it is truly magic. Each server, when it came up and the replication area realized there are three servers, we assigned different zones to those servers. And we said, okay, server one, you are the authority over the purple area. Server two, you are the authority over the green area. And the last server is authoritative over the red area. Um, you can still see that those servers have all those entities replicated but only this, the entities within their zone are actually authoritative on that server. So while I'm in this green zone at the moment, my entity is simulated on that green server and just replicated on the other server. Mm. Um, and now, <coughs> as I transition between those zones, you will see that on that green server, I just lost authority and on that purple server, I just gained authority. Um, and because it w my entity was, my player was replicated on both servers, this completely uh, works seamless. Um, and again, let's do that a couple of times. You see on my client here, I don't notice anything of that. This, is, this all happens behind the scene. And this uh, doesn't work only on me. Let's turn on the, uh, the zone colors and the object, the uh, authority assignment on the client as well. Um, you can see that even entities, as they transition into the other zone, seamlessly transition to that zone. That's crazy. 
And not only that, I can also interact with entities that are on the other side. So if I go on the screen zone, for example, and I shoot this, I can still shoot that purple uh, entity. And I can also just go ahead and destroy that buggy which sits on that other zone. Now that is crazy. <clears throat> there you go. Always fun to blow stuff up, right? Alright, um, so there's more to this. Um, the first thing I will do, let's spawn a fresh buggy, I just destroyed my old one. Um, when I go into this buggy, I will become part of the aggregate, and that means that now my buggy and myself will transition authority together. And this is how we make sure that my player, while he's driving this buggy, is always authoritative on the same server. So you can see, as I drive around with this bug between the zones, I will switch between the different servers. All right. Um, but there's more to this. So remember when I turned on the streaming earlier? The same streaming mechanics work here as well. Like, obviously, in this example right now, you can see all those servers, they have all those entities replicated. And it's a little bit wasteful because you have three servers all need to replicate all those entities. Um, and that's where streaming come into play. I can turn on streaming here, and you will see that suddenly my purple server no longer has the red area streamed in. And the red server no longer has the purple area streamed in. Um, so let's see what's happened when I drive my, my buggy uh, backwards into, that red, uh, into the red zone. What happens on that purple server? and I just disappear. So right now, <coughs> on this server, there's only Benoit replicated. And Benoit, if you come, come to me over in the red area, you will see that now on this server, there's no client at all. And mm -hmm. in theory, we could now completely stream out the entire area on that server, or stream in a new area. Cool. <coughs> And you will also see, as I drive back into the green area, I will magically uh, reappear on that purple server. And this obviously works on, uh, on, on the other side as well. Uh, let's get a couple more player join. I have a, a couple more QA in the back, so you can just see the whole thing uh, running at live. Uh, running in live with, with a bit more uh, things going on. There's Tim Daniels right there in the front. And you will see on each server renderer which clients are currently replicated on those servers and which clients are actually authoritative on those servers. And you can see this, the green server, because it's the middle one, has most entities replicated. Um, and then you can see this purple one at the moment only has one, one, uh, one client replicated. Yeah. So yes, this is pretty much it. I hope I hope you guys guys enjoyed this. Um, it has been a long time to come to this point, and I can't. I just can't 
put in words how much tech and work we had to put into this. Big shout out to the network team. Big shout out to the online services team. Big shout out to Chris to let us doing this. And this is something that's really cool what Chris says here. So check this out. It's been a really long journey to get to this point. Uh, and I've got to say, the team has done an amazing job. They've been working diligently for the last four, five years. We've had a couple of false starts. We finally have an incredible, I mean, the way the replication layer works and how we can spin up servers and down and keep the state constant, even if a server goes down, is, I think, a genius design. And the first time I saw this, <laughs> about three weeks ago, working fully, I cried. <laughs> it's like giving birth. We did it! <laughs> and we wouldn't have been able to do this and work on this kind of tech without all your support. That's right. Without you guys and your trust. allowing us to take the time to do it right, to really build it. So thank you. Thank you guys. So much for everyone. And thank you everyone at CIG that's really worked hard to deliver all this amazing stuff that will be either in your hands now or in your hands very soon. And this is just the beginning of CitizenCon. We've got a lot more stuff to show you. Yeah. That's what Thanks. we need for this right. MMO, guys. That's what we need. Great demo, by the way. Good. good job, good job, good job. Okay. Uh, just some real quick feedback from everybody. Uh, yo, I'll start with you. Um, after you saw this presentation for the second time, or I'm not sure how many times you may have watched it, but obviously you get to digest a little bit more this time around because you were in the room when they did, the, you know, actually there live. So any thoughts after you watched it again? Yeah, no, it's definitely my second time. First time was in was at CitizenCon. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for me, it wasn't as insane of a watch just because I haven't backed for hella long. But mm -hmm. um, still, un like it basically because it went over my head for a lot of it mm -hmm. um, until it like finally clicked what was going on. Yeah, um, yeah, it was super. That's, cool that's why we me. have to watch it two and three times because there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there was a lot. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I'm excited to see what that looks like on an extremely larger scale. Like, for me, I was just thinking about what that looks like with larger ships or how big are the um, the server sections going mm -hmm. to be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I was just really thinking about it more in depth and, like, just being, like, hella excited about it. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely interested in seeing what this looks like in the future. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be huge for um, them impl implementing other planets and uh just to be able to have larger groups of people mm -hmm. in the same areas for ships that we have yet to see in game yet yeah. um uh, yeah. actually crewed by real players but mm -hmm. yeah that's all i have cool geo uh i'm be honest I i'm happy to watch this like a third time yeah. understand what's going on <laughs> yeah. uh it, it, stuff like that kind of go over my head I, I appreciate that they did it in a video format because mm -hmm. they would have did like charts and stuff <laughs> i probably would have been really tuned out um but from what I'm, what I'm understanding is like say that pink room mm -hmm. and that green room was right there if i shoot something over there mm -hmm. that server is going to catch on to basically what i shot exactly. on that side yep. that type of thing okay yeah okay so i got a little bit of it yeah mm -hmm. um I, i'm shocked how quick they actually well i don't say how quick but mm -hmm. 
Um, but they they were pretty much down to the wire. This almost probably didn't make the yeah the sitcom number. He said three. I didn't even catch that. Right. He said weeks. three weeks ago. <laughs> we, just, we finally cracked it. Right. It kind of it kind of makes you wonder, like, what were they thinking back in 2018 when they were like, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> Star Engine. I mean, not Star Engine. Uh, Server Metro was kind of like almost there. Mm-hmm. And when Chris even said that back then, I'm like, okay, so if that's Chris timing, mm-hmm. that's around maybe like three, two, three years out. Which Same with I Tony G. He said that, but, but he, he also, said, still but he missed also, out. <laughs> but he also said there were a couple of false starts because remember they were in ICAST right. before. And then they, they came and told us iCash was not going to do the job. They had to go back to the drawing board and do it again. So, you know, right. you know here's the deal. And, and you know, you, you, Gio, you and I talked about this before. People keep forgetting that CIG is a company that is growing and evolving. And they're also growing and evolving technology. And sometimes people want them, anytime you're doing a business, there are times where you just get false starts. You think you're going to get something done. You think something's going to be delivered. And guess what? It doesn't happen. You know, the, the object is... Do you learn from it and move forward? Or do you say, well, screw it. We didn't get it right. Let's just shut down. And CIG has hung in. And I really appreciated the fact that Chris recognized not only the people that work there, but he recognized the community of giving them the space and the funding, like you said, Gio, to get it finally where it needs to be. Because like you said, that was three weeks ago. Chris said he finally saw the finished product. So mm-hmm. good point. And you know, we talked about this on the train too, Griffey. Like mm-hmm. we knew first seeing this project, mm-hmm. it was going to tell, like, I, I easily thought, I'm like, what the tech they're trying to push? Yep. This might be 10 years yep. out, and lo and behold, here yep. we are. <laughs> so that's why sometimes we don't get too salty about, mm-hmm. like, delays and the stuff they're building, because we understand. Mm-hmm. Now, some other people don't haven't looked into it that much, but I knew from the jump, like, all this starring and stuff, all this stuff is made just for this game. Mm-hmm. And it, it's amazing. Like, a lot yes. of people... Don't have the money. That's why he thanked us. Geo made two for two games. Like this. Yeah. Right. This is yeah, this is basically like two games. Yeah. And this is why I've been backing like crazy because I want to see stuff like this. I'll probably never ever back a game like this ever in my life mm-hmm. because no one's going to be crazy enough to even try anything like this. True. <laughs> That's a good point, Geo. Calrati, the other thing too, based on what Geo just said too, a lot of times we're thinking that the funding and stuff is just in relation to what we're going to have in our hands right now. But do you think that? CIG is also projecting for the future, you know, beyond just squadron. You know what I mean? Is there, because this building this engine is a big deal. It's not just, I don't think it's just going to be for this one game. You know what I mean? Or just the universe. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Because especially when it comes to other companies, you know, I wouldn't say that they would try to snatch up these developers that have accomplished this and mm-hmm. try to, you know, to bribe them. Hey, come over to our side. We want something like this for our engines. Mm-hmm. But it really goes to show that they are making something to be as sustainable as possible, as future-proof as possible. Wait a minute, can I ask and... you a question? Could you imagine what the sign-ons will be for, what do you call it? No, con- not, what's it called? No, what's the phrase, y'all, when you go work for another oh, company yeah. but you can't share no, the information? No, no um... contact, not, not contact. What's the word? Agreement. No competition. No, is it no competition? What's it called, somebody? I no. know what you're talking about. No, not, not no, 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 no compete. No, no compete. Not a compete. You know, uh, where you can't share anything. No competition. Yeah, where you can't share anything. Black Black. They'll probably have like about a six year, seven, seven year, <laughs> no competition. But, <laughs> but, three years. But, but, right, but to your point, Cal Roddy, you do see room for licensing, right? Possibly the engines. Because yes. people have been yes, asking about is. Amazon. There's been rumors about, will Amazon buy this out and everything? I don't think it's going to be a buyout deal. But I do think there will be a licensing. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, most likely. Because the thing is, uh, a lot of the times when we talk about 
either the optimization of many games, either on client or server side, mm. we always sometimes go back to either reading certain posts on, on social media that either the developers don't have enough time, et cetera, et cetera, especially for these larger companies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they can actually find a way to make this commercial and make it possible and make it available for other companies, then, you know, it can kind of get into that market because I don't see publishers, you know, giving developers or changing their attitude with regards to these things, mm -hmm. especially when time and money comes into play. Yeah. They aren't going to just flip the switch and say, okay, developers, we're going to give you more time to optimize our engine, mm -hmm. especially on the network end. So if CIG can actually play their game right and um, possibly commercialize this, once it's ready to be commercialized in mm -hmm. the future, I think it, it can actually play um, really, really well financially for them. Good point. FC, what about you? Anything from the presentations that you finally got a chance to sit down and watch it all that stuck out with you? Well, I I, I was able to watch like half the presentation before the show, mm -hmm. but now that I got to the end, I'm, I am a, a bit disappointed. I couldn't find a way to work in Baby's Kids reference. We don't abate. We replicate. Anyway, but yeah, so about the rest, I, I enjoyed watching it finally. Um, enjoy, I'm going to hopefully enjoy w watching the, the, the rest of the, um, the presentation. But I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to, like, I'm with, I'm with you, Griffin. I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to watch the rest of them mm -hmm. um, ahead of time or, or, or watch them live with, with you guys now. So I'm not sure about that. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Endless Mike, thank you for the sub. We appreciate that. See, my joke got us a sub. Yeah, it sure did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I know, I know. Um, yeah, just a lot there, a lot of information. And again, you know, I, I watched it yesterday for the first time and today was my second one. And I got even more garnered more from watching some things I even missed, <clears throat> but I think star engine, we now understand why they started the show. We've talked about this earlier. They started the show with this. Uh, it might've seemed kind of weird to start with the engine, but this is the foundation for everything else that we saw during citizen con weekend. And so, um, it was cool. It was definitely very, very cool. Um, okay. So that was that, um, that was the outro with Chris Roberts. Uh, yeah, that was that. Okay. Do have a, some Q and A? We do have some Q and A. All right, give me one second here. I will Let's... say this: I am glad they started with Star Engine because yeah. they need to let it hang out and show like this ain't no bogus game that came out this year. That looks like it came from 2012 <laughs> and, and a tired ass engine. This is newest tech that's pushing PC gaming, yeah. and they had to make a statement. Yep. All right. All right. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, fast car. What do we got for Q and A? We got some questions. Yeah, I gotta separate the joke stuff from the Q questions. Oh, here we go. Uh, Yo Yo Mac, uh, how fast is fast car? Thank you, Yo Yo Mac. I appreciate the attention. You always inflate my ego when you ask these kind of questions. Uh, fast car is actually like five miles an hour. A little bit slower, but I, 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 I'm underweight, so it's like, I'm on five miles an hour. So hopefully that answers your question. Faster than that, because uh, me and Yo was looking for you, and you were gone so quick. Me and no, I, you was like, we was like, where did Fast Car go? <laughs> hey, you and Griffey, we turned around. We was like, it's like y'all. So Griffey left before I did. Man, y'all both, both gone said, quick. I said, I, I said, I said good night. I see you tomorrow. And well, we did not Y'all, y'all in your own world. We was like, man, fast car really is sad. And that was like the What's third time question? he did that this weekend What's to me. I'm like, bro. What's your next question? We're already running late. What's your next question? <laughs> uh, the next question is, what information at CitizenCon surprised you the most? That is from the prisoner. What, was what the information that surprised you the most? Uh, information. Anybody can answer that, because uh, I, because whether you win or not. Mm. 
Uh, I mean, the the big the biggest well not the biggest news because we were spoiled uh, sometime before, but you know, Squadron Forty Two being feature complete, yeah. um, that 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 didn't surprise me the most. But I mean, it was a surprise almost. I would say the base building stuff, uh, how close. Yeah, I thought that was gonna be like a yeah, yeah, that surprised me. Yeah, the base building surprised me. We'd heard rumors, but when we saw the base building at the end, that definitely caught me off guard. Definitely. And yeah, saying that and they're actually gonna start production next yeah. year. I'm like, ooh, that's crazy. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> oh, the, 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 the amount of ships that they plan on bring, bringing in over the next year. I, I hope they can do it, but th that, that is kind of a surprise. Okay. What's your next question? Uh, this is from North End Trooper. What do you think the size of the download for Star Citizen <laughs> runs all the planet stations, et cetera, are in game? 100 gigabyte, 400 gigabyte, 1 terabyte. What, what do you think the, the download size for Star, Star Citizen? Um, let, 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 me, let me lead in with that because mm -hmm. they said that they, one time, I think it was like four, four or five years ago, one of the developers said that um, by the time the game is finished, it'll be 100, 100 gigabyte. I, I think that, 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 that information is outdated now. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're talking about um, Star Citizen or Spartan 42 now. Uh, yeah, if uh, anything. Quick, quick, ready. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, uh, single line, CIG is very good when it comes to using the procedural and modular assets. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. I I'm not so sure it's going to be as big as people may think. Um, I think one of the biggest games that's out right now is Red Dead Redemption. And I think that's running around 160 gig, something like that. Um, I think Starfield was around 120. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Um, How much did you have with the audio? So I know I'm, I'm just saying, I, I, I think they're going to try to keep it within industry standard. I don't think that it's going to be some ridiculous number. I could be wrong. Um, oh, someone but, said Call of Duty Warframe is 250 gigabyte. The yeah. prisoner said that. Warframe is? Wow, Call of, Call of Duty is 250 gig? Are you serious? Call of Duty, you know what? They don't really... No, correct me if I'm wrong. They don't really said, work with their compressions, right? Ark evolved with 410 gigabyte. I wouldn't count. God. No, Ark, no, wait, wait. Are y'all talking about Ark Vanilla? Are y'all talking about Ark after y'all add all those mods to it? Because Ark ain't no 400 gig. I know that. It was an update every damn day with Ark. Said, you know what? Get this game out of my Vanilla? damn life. Vanilla? Are you serious? I was so sick of it. Oh my God. That's crazy. Oh, oh Starfield was 192. Starfield was 192. Okay, I was wrong. Okay. I thought I heard 120 or something. Okay. I'm going I'm to say around 250 to 300 gigs. Please make sure y'all telling done. me vanilla and that with mods. Okay. Please make sure you're telling us that because that's a lot. SC should have I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get 150, 160. Okay. But. We'll see. We'll see what it comes out to. What else we got? That's it. That's, that's it. it. Okay, cool. All right. Well, listen, we want to share some stuff with you guys real quick uh, before we go. Because you guys know that the Soul Team made it out to uh, Citizen Con this year. Uh, Calrati didn't get to join us. He was looked for. People were asking about him. If people were um, asking about him, you got to ask for about him. him. Shout out to Zalarix. Yeah, yep. He sure did. He, he truly did ask about you. Uh, but real quick, we want to show you guys a video. We showed it yesterday. We'll show it to you real quick. Then we got a couple comments right behind that. And then we're going to get ready to wrap it up. So just bear with us. I know we're running a little late tonight. But here we go.
good to hear. Let's hope your execution matches. Thank you, Grim. I hope you're feeling better, buddy. Thank you, Jim. Grim. a group of gamers who back and support the game, uh, but particularly of diversity. When Fastcart and I first got this going, we talked about being able to bring African-American, because we would go to the conventions and see five of us out of 600, but we knew we were out there. Uh, but ultimately we decided to expand diversity into not only just being African-American, but LGBTQ, straight, age, I'm 60. We have 20 year olds in our group, male, female, and everybody pretty much has a different feeling about the game and very supportive of the project. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. Wanted to show you guys that um, because I wanted to share a little thought with you all. First of all, I want to say to everybody who has been with us over what are we going on four years fast cart this year this this march will be four, four years yeah we want to M say march will be four years yeah we want to say thank you to all of you uh if you guys notice uh whenever we're together and i talk about the folks in our group i call them the soul team uh, but there was something i said in that when i made that little thing at citizen con that i want to go over and make sure that i say correctly because i said it but i, I want to make sure it's not taken the wrong way and I want it to be said that anybody who watches us, anybody who supports us, um, you know, you guys are part of Soul Citizens. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it's obvious. We were made up of African-Americans who make this particular show. And I was laughing at Blues. He said, what about the Asians and the, uh, and the, and the uh, Latinos? And yeah, we're not, we don't want to forget them. But what I wanted to say was this, even though we are all African-American, our object is to bring diversity to the game. Um, and it's, and I, I want to share something with you because this was something that really affected me to a certain degree. 
uh, because I don't want people to get the wrong impression. When we were at CitizenCon, we were greeted with so much love, so much support. So many people, FastCart worked the table with me, right, FC? And we just had people yeah. coming over. I, I, I was a little surprised how much love we got, but yeah. it wasn't unwelcome at all. Yeah. It was very welcome, yeah. but it was, it was surprising. It was constant. It was constant. And it was everybody, everybody coming over and just saying really, really gracious things. Uh, but I do want to share with you another truth, and I want you to understand why we're out here. It is not to exclude anybody, but it is to say that there are people here that are part of all these different backgrounds, different cultures, and everything else that participate. So the word diversity for me, and when you look up the definition of it, it's not just about color, because a lot of times people default to color automatically. Uh, but diversity is a range of human, about differences. Uh, it could, it's not just limited to race, but it could be ethnicity, it could be gender, it could be uh, age, social class, sexual orientation, physical ability, uh, attributes, religious, ethical, economic, national origin, all that stuff, even political beliefs, that all adds to diversity. And that's what our group is about. And I don't want people to get hung up on on uh, race. You know, I don't want people to get hung up because we're not hung up on race. One of the things I want to say too is that sometimes people, they mention like as if we're a safe space. Uh, if you're African-American, there is no such thing as a safe space. There are places that are supportive places though, places where we're supported by people. And this community has been extremely supportive to us over the years. Now, one of the things I want to share with you all is this. When we were, oh, when, we were wow. when we were doing our speech, when we were doing the speech on the thing, Oh, our Twitch channel, stop, 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 Gio, stop. When this started, this was what we got on Twitch. And there are people in this group that were saying supportive things of us, but there were people who were also saying negative things. Now we expect that, we understand that that happens, but in this community, it's important for us to be able to speak out. You know, sometimes you can say, don't feed the trolls, but this isn't about the trolls. This is about a community that we love and we appreciate and has shown us that love. And we want you all to know that we truly appreciate that. Some of you guys came over and said, I get it. You guys are cool. Uh, we really appreciate what you're doing, but we really appreciate you guys. And we don't want you all to think that we take that for granted. We really, 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 truly appreciate the support we have. And I don't want to uplift all the negativity. What I want to do is uplift this community of folks who embraced us. All right. And I want to uplift the fact that you all have created community with us and we have joined in together to make a very special community here with Soul Citizens. So let me say this first, if you watch us, if you support us, if you share us with your friends, if you push us through social media, you're a Soul Citizen. If you're here every week, if you watch our YouTube videos when you're at work or you're listening in the background, you're a Soul Citizen, all right? If you handle um, fast college jokes. Oh God, yeah. If you. Especially if, yeah, you ban, hey, if you ban, if you ban, I was going to say, beat me to it. I would say, don't forget the people who are joke challenged. Absolutely. Absolutely. So <laughs> I really want you all to know that this is what community looks like to us. What you see on the screen right now, it's all of us being together, loving this game, working together. We want to tell you guys, we really, really, really appreciate you guys for all the love that you guys share with us all the time. Undergirded by love, transforming. Uh, but we also believe that in order to do this, uh, we have to love our neighbors just like we want to be loved. And we really appreciate our community. And especially, like I said last week, the love was just shown all over the place. So that's all I'm going to say about that. And I do want to talk about another piece of love. We want to give you guys a shout out to this right here. You guys helped us off last Sunday, as you guys know, was the last of our St. Jude charity drive. And you guys helped us raise $6,170 for St. Jude Children's Hospital. An amazing amount of number. You guys did such a great job uh, from June leading up to CitizenCon. We realized some of you were even traveling, saving money because you knew your come CitizenCon was going to be coming up. 
Um, and, but we appreciate every dollar, no matter how small or how great you guys gave. You guys did an outstanding, outstanding job. I want to give a special shout out again to our anonymous angel donor. I can't say their name. They've been sitting in chat with us every other week or every week. And if they're watching or not watching, I just want you all to know we had somebody who literally, I want to say they donated, what do you think, Fast Card? At least $2,000 worth of ships, at least. I, no, I, more than I, that. Go, Probably $3,000. Because they you. donated the Carrick. They wow. donated the, um, what was the other big ship we did? Polaris, the, right? The Polaris. Um, there was a bunch of stuff that they donated. A pack, there the pack. The packs that we had. It was stuff that yeah. we did, but they they threw in even more. So I just want to tell you to our anonymous donor, much love to you. And though nobody knows, there are people who do know what you did. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And we tried to tell this person, hey, you can share it with other folks. This person evidently had a heart for St. Jude Children's Hospital and wanted to we support We could say it's our anonymous donor held the line. Held the line, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Thanks, Fast Card. That was I made it. him laugh, finally. Yeah, I made yeah, him yeah, laugh. You got me to laugh. <laughs> it got me to laugh that time. All right. So let's go ahead and get ready to wrap things up because we had a long night tonight, uh, one of our longest nights, in fact. But we do want to tell you guys about what's coming up. Fast Card, would you please tell everybody about Thursday? Calrati disappeared on me. Uh, Jay, I'm here. Man. I'm here. Oh, is he? Oh, Payback for the right. drunk man. He is here. Wait a minute. Uh, wait, so a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I got to get Cal Roddy, and I can't leave Cal Roddy out. <laughs> I forgot. He got here late. He got here late. I forgot, and I got to get. I got to get him in on camera. Where was he? You were in camera too, right? When you came in, there he is. All right. All right, let me get Cal Roddy because Cal Roddy's, I don't want people to think they want This is what you get for dope banning me, Cal Roddy. This is what you get. Is that what happened? All right, where's he Possibly. Cal Roddy, that's me. That's Cal Roddy there. All right, let me get him in here. All right, now we're going to go there. There we go. All right, Fast Card, you can go ahead and talk about Soul Talk now. Okay, so Soul Talk, 8, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. UTC. That's where we get together, talk about what's going on in Star Citizen that week. We normally cover ISC, SCL, um, this week in Star Citizen and Machinima. But generally, it's just a, a time for us as a community to get together and talk about w w what's going on in Star Citizen, what we like and we don't like. And that's it. People, people come in Discord chat and, and, and have a chat. It's community chat. That's Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. UTC. Yeah, Roddy, would you do voices for me, please? All right, so Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern, Soul Voices. Speaking of community, we delve into all matters community with regards to Star Citizen. Concerns, hopes, discussions from, you know, everywhere, spectrum, social media, we pull it everywhere, and we welcome anybody and everybody to come in, you know, just share your concerns, share your opinions, because we would like to hear from you. And, of course, we have our own opinions as well. And we'll just, you know, just... Laid all out there in the discussion. So join us on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Okay, and uh, as I just mentioned, next week, uh, we're going to be doing episodes or sessions uh, two and three next week. Um, we're going to be talking about, was it fix it, fly it next week? And we're also going to be talking about taking ship. Or is it talking ship? What was the talking, talking ship. ship or taking ship? It was ship. Talking, talking ship. It was talking, talking ship. ship. All right, I got a bad Taking ship is what, there. is what I'm going to do so fast. Yeah, that's what you're going to be doing, right? I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> taking ship. Not just me. Whole, whole bunch of people. All right. So, and and Grim should be back for that one, right? Yes. And Star, Starship Grim is going to uh, hopefully be able to join us next week. So you guys make sure you guys can come welcome him. Thank you, Grim, for dropping in tonight. I, like I said, I hope you are feeling better. Um, I know yeah. how it sucks to be sick. I get it. Trust me. But we are glad that hopefully you're feeling better. 
Um, I told him to make sure he go and rest his head and get his eyes off the screen because he was having a migraine. Um, okay, mm. I think that is about it. I think we are good to go. I want to say special thanks to everybody. Yo-Yo, tell people where they can find you. On Twitch, at Yo-Yo Meg. <laughs> are, you on social, <laughs> are you on social media too? Uh, yeah, I post some screenshots and stuff on Twitter, and that one's at I am Yo-Yo Meg. Okay, at I am. Oh, there we go. That's the other one. All right. Gio, where can people find you? Uh, y'all can follow me uh, anywhere. I got even TikTok, Silver Geo, Twitter, YouTube. I'm about to start uploading some more uh, content. Uh, I got to edit our Soul Train blog, which was yes. fun. Yes. Um, that, that's going to be a whole thing to do. Yes. Um, I'm learning DaVinci Resolve. So hopefully I'll get that to you guys soonish, not CIG timing. Um, <laughs> and one last thing. Uh, diversity doesn't equal division. You there know you what I'm go. saying? That's all I want y'all to know. Good word. Uh, and that's all I got to say. Good word. <laughs> that's a good word, brother. Good oh, yeah. Cal Roddy, where can people find you other than out and shoot, yeah. killing, keep, killing people uh, in the verse? <laughs> <laughs> on Spectrum, YouTube, I, hold, I upload a whole bunch of random stuff there. And of course, Discord, Soul Citizens. So you can find me over there. Mm -hmm. Last but not least, FC. You can find me, the comedic legend. Yes, I'm a comedic oh, legend. God. Here on Soul Citizens on Thursday. <laughs> now, if you're Eastern, the Soul Talk, and, and most, a lot of times on Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, midnight UTC. So, yeah. Also, on the People Radio, uh, once a month, uh, the third Friday of every month, I do um, Fight the Rhythm. And as a matter of fact, this past uh, Friday, uh, well, two, two Fridays ago, uh, I did the best of Fight the Rhythm. So, I, I compiled ep uh, music from the past 25 episodes put them into two, two hours and four minutes. I think it was a good, good show. Hopefully people can check that out. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, once again, thank you guys so much. As I said earlier, we appreciate you. We love you. Please take care of yourselves this week. Stay safe. And as Where can always, we find Griffin? Be right here. Peace, love, and soul. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs> take care. Adios. <laughs>